Hi, everybody. Welcome back to episode 73 of the Simply One Podcast. I'm your host, Colin. I'm joined by my co-host, Chris. How are we doing, everybody? We're just a couple of best friends who are passionate about all things pop culture. If you're looking for lukewarm takes on movies, video games, TV shows, or even the occasional comic, then uh, we've got the show for you. That's right. I was called you my hoe. Well, you know what it is. Damsel in distress, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm not saying you're wrong, you know? It my is little, what it my is. My little coast. And you're just running a stable. <laughs> my little stable hoe. That's right. Uh, I belong now. to the streets. <laughs> the streets, they own me. <laughs> they, they got a hold on me. They got a hold they got on got a chokehold on me. Uh, this week, we're doing it. We're doing the Barbenheimer Deluxe Edition mm-hmm. special mm-hmm. Uh, Monster Megala episode. Palooza. <laughs> just got to throw it in there somewhere. Is it our? It's our October Halloween episode. That's yeah. like the Halloween Spooktober October Palooza Bonanza <laughs> Extravaganza. I That's what's in there. But uh, yeah, so we're going to talk about Barbie and Oppenheimer. Mm. Since them both, yep. uh, I saw Oppenheimer twice. I was going to see Barbie twice, but that didn't pan out because the tickets being just gobbled up. Mm. But uh, what, what do you think the proper order is? Do we just do it in the Naming order, Barbie and then Oppenheimer? Yeah. Barbenheimer. <laughs> yeah, Barbenheimer. That makes sense to me. Start with a barb and end with a bang, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, I got some news, because it's been a minute since we've done an actual news episode. Yeah. Um, it's not in any particular order. Uh, full disclosure, it's being read off my phone, because there's just too much of it to do a full write-up. Yeah. Uh, so there's some stuff about some uh, the, the, some of the first movies to be uh, basically postponed or on hold due to the actor strike. Yeah. Um, some reshoots over uh, for Aquaman. Uh, a pretty cool, this one's more just like, oh, really? Uh, a, a, a mod that's coming for Last of Us Part 1 on PC. Oh, word. That jumped out at me. We got some Spider-Man All the characters are naked. PS5. Yeah, they're just all, everybody's got Joel's big just got clapping. his cock out. <laughs> It's just, and it's got stealth elements. So, like, if he's if you move too quickly in a crouch and you hear him slapping around, they're like, "Who who, who is there? <laughs> who goes there?" Tommy, like, Tommy, trying to sneak around, but the clap of my ass cheeks, <laughs> Tommy, thick, and the clickers keep hearing me. Uh, anyways, before you interrupted me, uh, fucking Spider-Man Two, we got some uh, like a, a story trailer for it, as well as a, a little bit of uh, uh, like limited edition gear, I suppose. Uh, showing off mm-hmm. I got something to show off mm-hmm. We got some uh, Invincible news Oh yeah As well as uh, Some Mortal Kombat news Yeah You see that? Mm, oh Oh yeah Baby I've, I've been there since it was a rumor <laughs> Did I see it? Yeah. yeah I've been there before it was confirmed That's right uh, So I mean Whatever order you want me to take that on in We'll just jump into that stuff And then like I said We'll start to tackle Barbenheimer Let's just start from the top. From the top, top make it drop. That's on what has So Deadpool three, Mission Impossible eight, and Venom three have all uh, been sidelined for the moment. Get your shit together. I yeah. mean, that's all I gotta say. And, and it, unfortunately, there's also quite a few projects that it sounds like were very close to done, at least on the the filming production side of things, where they're like, well, shit, we gotta, yeah, we gotta wait, gotta wait. Uh, which you know, yeah, you, you, you hate to see, but also that's part of the deal. Yeah. Sorry about it. I told him to hold. Uh, apparently, there was an email from... Yeah, 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 so I'm quoting from Hollywood Reporter here. They say, at Marvel Studios, which has multiple films and TV shows in post-production, uh, the ethos that is being put out in an email says, 
Uh, we recognize how much you've all done on your specific projects, and it's disappointing when carefully laid plans have to shift. But constant change is the nature of the production business, and our teams are no stranger to unexpected challenges and rising to meet them. Uh, they wrote, we deeply appreciate all your efforts to make the best of the situation, and we can all hope that a new agreement will be finalized soon so we can resume the great work we have in, prog uh, in progress. Yeah, I mean, that's basically all you can say is like, well, hopefully we reach a deal, you know, a good deal here soon, and then we can get back to business as usual, mm -hmm, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I just, it's it's tough out there for, uh, <laughs> you know, poor uh Poor filmmakers, you know. Man. Poor movie studios. <laughs> They're the real victim in all this. Yep. Yep. That's that is sarcasm. I hope that reads. No, yes. Uh Deadpool three. So I'm just gonna list off some some films that have been delayed or postponed. Deadpool three, uh Gladiator two, Lilo and Stitch, which doesn't need a live action remake. Nope. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part Two. Uh Wicked, Venom Three, and with Tom Brady or Hardy. <laughs> He's, with he's Tom just Brady. in there. He's just, in there fucking throwing the pigskin. <laughs> no, he's in there kissing his sons on the lips. <laughs> he's kissing venom on the lips. <laughs> come on, lay one on me. Yeah, come on, give daddy a kiss. <laughs> All right, fucking Aquaman. Like you got to know that's a little weird. Yeah, I mean, like he loves his kids, dude. Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom reportedly undergoes its third round of reshoots. Amber turd. Fucking three. This thing's supposed to come out in December, and because of the strike and everything, it sounds like it might get pushed back again. Isn't it the third time it's been pushed back or second? The second or third, yeah. But the last pushback was, it was like huge. It was a whole like, year. It was like over a year. Yeah. It was like something like 14 months. They guys just quit, man. Just that's like, yeah. But that's the problem, right? Is they're like, shit, we got too much money sunk in this thing. We got to put it out. Mm -hmm. And when the first Aquaman did, you know, over a billion dollars, they're like, all right, we got something here, maybe. But uh, a well, lot of the... Like, what did the second one get? This is the second one. Oh. I, I, yeah. I had paid no attention to Aquaman. Uh, but apparently there was some confusion around uh, Batman because Ben Affleck was supposed to have a cameo in it. Okay. But because of the Flash changes, okay. is it supposed to be George Clooney now maybe? They're not sure on what the proper like... And, and then there's the weird thing of like continuity of do we even care because this thing's coming to a weird ending? Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking. Is like, well, does it matter? Is this Aquaman even going to be the same in the new? No, I DCU? wouldn't think so. No. So who fucking cares? Throw all of them in there if you want. Yeah, fuck it. Just give us all the. Um, Just give us a Batman explosion. So if you know what I'm saying. Michael Keaton originally filmed a scene, but was replaced by Ben Affleck when it appeared that Aquaman in the Last Kingdom would be released before the Flash. Now, with Aquaman in the Lost Kingdom having been significantly delayed, and the Flash eliminating both Keaton and Affleck's Batman from the picture. It seems the film is going away with the Batman cameo entirely. Hmm. <laughs> it's just a weird, like, come on, guys, get your shit together. Just fucking pull it. Or, yeah, or just give up. But uh, according in, back in June, James Wan, mm -hmm. uh, he indicated that Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom hasn't been significantly impacted by the internal shakeups at Warner Brothers and the pivot to James Gunn and Saffron and Peter Saffron's DCU. But I find that hard to believe. Yeah, I don't. I think he's going to get the can. Yeah, I mean, I think it's inevitable. Um, I am inevitable. It's just, I don't know, man. I, I am excited to see Blue Beetle. That comes out Oh, yeah, that looks August. pretty good. That looks pretty good. First week of August, I think. So that'll be honest before we know it. We're, That's like next week. We were just talking about, I'm like superhero kind of now. Yeah. And I'm like done right now with... Which I do kind of want to bring that up. I mean, we can do it here because I think this is the last of the superhero news. 
Well, it wasn't like the Spider-Man game, but... That's different. That's different. Yeah, games, games are different than movies, in my opinion. Especially when the Spider-Man games are so fun. Gas. Gas. But, uh, no. I do think that that's part of why both films that we're going to talk about today saw such big um, box numbers. office success. Big numbers. Is that, I mean, people want... You know, you see something that fulfills two categories right now. Looks good, mm. you know, and then looks different. Yeah. Right? We're like, oh, that's not... It's not superheroes. <laughs> it's not, you know, you figure Dead Reckoning did fine, but then, I mean, unfortunately, it released a week before Barbenheimer, and it had a super massive second week drop. It was something like 65% box office drop, which is Ooh. big. Not over, over half. Yeah. <laughs> Some would say, like, that's almost 70%. Yeah, it's like... It's 5%. It's like three-fifths <laughs> of, of the movie. You know, of 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 number, three fifths. I heard of because of that, Tom Cruise like living on the streets. <laughs> like that's what I heard. I heard that motherfucker, motherfucker had, had like thirty, 30 goddamn, goddamn dicks. <laughs> but no, I do think that that plays a major role. That people are like looking for something different, and superhero fatigue is getting real. I didn't think I'd be able to hit it because I thought I loved superheroes so much. But man, I'm just like. Come on, come on, man! Give me something else. Throw me a bowl or something. Which I mean, it was bound to you know any bubble was bound to bust. You know, it's just <laughs> my bubble's busting. I mean, I'm finna bust a bubble. You know hmm? what I'm saying? Uh, my dad and I went to the Air Force Museum here in Ohio. Yeah, and <laughs> we were walking around, and my dad pointed at a plane and it had like a pretty big bulbous uh, cockpit on it. And bulbous cock, yeah. And he says, That's a such and such plane, and you know that because it's got the bubble cockpit. And I said, Did you just call me bubble cock? And he goes, What would that mean? And I go, I don't know, man. I'm worried about you having a stroke, you know. Like, what what does that mean? He's like, No, it's what I'm getting all flustered. I'm like, bubble, bubble cock, bubble cock, old bubble cock. You gotta watch out for the bubble cock. He's got one thing on his mind <laughs> bubbles and cock. And cock. So, The Last of Us Part One on PC is getting a quote unquote brutal and bloody first person mod. Yo. Yeah. So, what? It says the tagline here on uh, IGN says, See the world through Joel's eyes. The Last of Us Part One on PC is being modded by one fan to include a brutal and bloody first person mode. Oh, only by one person? Yeah. How long is that going to fucking right, take? Right, I don't know. Uh, apparently, um, a YouTube user, Voyager's Revenge, uploaded an eight-minute video of the mod in action. I know him. Showing the intense and graphic battles of The Last of Us from a new perspective. It looks cool. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about where the gun's at. Yeah, that's, that's the hard part is, like, because it's not... The game wasn't built around being a first-person <laughs> shooter. Um, you know, you'd kind of have to go the Grand Theft Auto route of, like, building in a first-person perspective to the camera. Mm. Because, like, if you notice when they were throwing bombs and stuff, you didn't even see hands. The mm -hmm. bomb just kind of... Yeah, lobbed over. Yeah. And so maybe it's a case of it gets popular, and Naughty Dog goes, oh, well, maybe, you know. Or maybe the person's able to hire some people on. I don't know. Yeah. It looks good, if, especially if it just being one person, because it does look like they added a little more, like, reflection to, yeah. like, the lights, and, like, if something's wet. Well, but that also could just be because this is oh, the, the last of the part, so it's the, re yeah. Yeah, it's the remake. Could be, could be. But I thought, you know, eh, that's interesting. I like the idea. I did like when he was running. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. The, gives the, it more depth. The motion blur on the sides. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's part of why I get excited when PlayStation games get brought to PC is because somebody's going to jump in there and make a nice, you know, make some PlayStation's really cool mods. hurting right now, bro. Why? A lot of shit is getting, like, purchased by Xbox. Yeah. They already agreed to keep, like, Call of Duty was really the only thing that they were worried about on Activision being purchased. And Call of Duty's going to stay on PlayStation. 
a bunch of games that they were showing that were like becoming Xbox exclusives. Yeah. And that makes me a little nervous. Yeah. I mean, you got a computer. I do. No, yeah. No, I've got nothing to worry about. Yeah. <laughs> Not me. No. <laughs> no. 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 So, Spider Man 2, we got our, our story trailer for it. Yeah. Pretty cool. We got to see some Venom. Yep. Venom. Hot take, not a good song. No, but. that's not that hot of a take. I don't uh, think uh, it wasn't uh, good. Uh, but uh, no, so we get to see some more of actual like Peter Miles. We get to see some Mary Jane. Mm-hmm. We get to actually meet Harry Osborne because yeah. he's kind of absent in the first game where he's been. You find out he's been held in like a tank where he's sick or something. Yeah, but by now, Norman. But now he's out for some reason. He's, he's free, and he says, "Free my boy, Harry." He ain't doing nothing wrong. <laughs> he, he and Pete are going to heal the world as their, as the, their endeavor, right? Mm-hmm. Craven, you know, we get to see some lizard. We get to see some of the black suit. It looks like from cutscenes. Oh, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, we see Venom. And uh, Venom seem, seems pretty... Venom-y. Unless they, well, unless they're, like, pulling a, a switcheroo on us, seems like Harry Osborn is Venom. Yeah. Because uh, in the Venom voice, he's like, you know, We'll heal the world. And you're like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. That's what Harry said. Oh, fuck. That's exactly what Harry said, like, a minute, 30 seconds ago. Or hot take. What if it's... tricking you. What if it's Peter? Oh, well, I just don't see that. It could be like Venom is its own thing. And like... Excuse me. Fuck off! That's right. Yeah, it could be that... I'm stretching there. Yeah. But, hey. It's just... It's just a theory. A A Spider-Man 2 theory. Um, <laughs> the I'm trying to think here. Oh yeah, they showed off. Stop that! What are you doing? They showed off that they're bringing out uh, an exclusive PS5 that's Spider-Man 2 themed. And if you already have a PS5, you can actually just buy the plates to replace the white on oh, word, the PS5. Word. So that's kind of dope. And then an exclusive an exclusive controller like they did for Ragnarok. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm kind of I'm always down for that. I think I could see myself buying new plates for my PS5. Yeah. I think I'd want to get like a matte color though, because white's just it gets dirty. Yeah, whites are dirty. You're telling me. <laughs> you tell me. I live with a couple of them. <laughs> like, what now? Uh, Invincible season two kicks off on November third. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're doing it kind of strangely. Um, they they put out a trailer. Trailer looked pretty cool. Yep. Um, it was definitely still a teaser trailer, which I mean that's how they labeled it. Yeah. Um, but the first four episodes are starting, like I said, on November 3rd, and they're going to release weekly, actually, as opposed to being a drop. And then uh, I don't know that they gave an actual date for the second half. Yeah, so to recap, this was from their, uh, this is directly from the Invincible Twitter page. They said, what a week. To recap what we learned about the show, there's an Adam Eve special episode live now. So we'll have to check that out. Yeah. Um, would they say watch it twice, three times maybe? Uh, Adam Eve is the best. This is not new information. It should just be reiterated whenever possible. The first four episodes of season two start November 3rd, airing weekly through November 24th. Then there will be a short break for you to take a breath, hug your family, and reflect on what you just experienced in episode 204. Next F, four episodes will arrive in early 2024. This was important to me. Season three voice recording is complete and will help ensure that there will not be as long of a gap again. Oh, good. They already recorded everything yeah. and just animating it ready now to go. And finishing. Yeah. Uh, Sterling K. Brown, which I don't know if anybody knows him by name. He was in uh, the show on ABC or NBC. Um, this is us. Okay. Um, Peter Cullen is Thetis. That one got me jazzed when I saw him mm-hmm. in the trailer. When I saw his name pop up, fucking go. Optimus Prime. 
and Eeyore. <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> uh, and oh, more legends oh. like Ray Seahorn, which she plays um, Kim Wexler in oh, Better Call Saul. Saul. Tatiana Maslany, who's She-Hulk, and Josh Keaton, which I don't know him by name. That sounds familiar, though. Yeah, well, Michael Keaton. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, obviously, J.K. Simmons is yep. back as a whole. I really want to watch um, Whiplash. You've never seen it? Mm-mm. Ooh, it's a good movie. That's what I hear. J.K. Simmons won Best Supporting Actor for it, and he is a fuck in it. That's what I hear. It's like, oh, that's, that's his whole shtick, That's though. the thing, yes. He is a fuckhead in it. But, uh, no, it's really good. Um, and then that kind of leads us right into Mortal Kombat 1 showed off uh, some of their... Uh, D- their first round of DLC characters, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which uh, come on, the game's not out yet. No, why do you already have DLC? Just put it in the game. That means you're just about done. Yeah, it's all about the money, 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 money. Fucking Omni Man, Homelander, yep, and Peacemaker. Peacemaker, and they're bringing back some other characters from, from older from combat. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, but I've seen some people being like, "Why is Peacemaker in there? How is he gonna?" St-? His whole thing is killing. Like yeah. that, you know, he, he. I think he'll fit in, both honestly with they the put humor Rambo and in with, there. yeah. So like, literally, it's, they put the Xenomorph in there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. People will just be mad about shit. Yeah, well, they're gonna play him, and then they're gonna be like, "Oh, he's <gasps> fucking cool. He's mid. <laughs> he plays just like every other character." Yeah, well, so do every uh, other character. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, I was gagging. But the thing that really uh, jumped out at me from the story. Is that J.K. Simmons is voicing Omni Man's voice lines really? for Mortal Kombat? That yeah, is um, Anthony Starr doing I Homelander? Don't know. I was trying to look and see if they mentioned it in here, but J.K. Simmons has a very just distinct a, voice. Yeah. yeah, where you hear him and you're like, "That's J.K. Simmons." Mm-hmm. You know, it's like Parker, get in here, Parker. <laughs> and what was the tag that it, you know, the little stinger that they give at the end of the teaser trailer? Was you should have died, died at birth. I was like, we were like, Jesus. <laughs> Hope he wasn't talking to Mark. Son. I feel like he was. <laughs> or Dink, not. Mark. Dink. Uh but yeah, so you were right on that one. Good job, buddy. Thanks. You got one. Yeah. Well, what else is new? Rack them up. All right. I think that's all the news I had. Yeah, let's dump dump in, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Let's pump into let's Barbenheimer. Pump into Barbie. No. Let's pump into the movie. Let's let's talk about let's that. Let's talk about Barbie first. Uh give me a synopsis. Barbie. Who is uh, living in Barbie land, starts having thoughts of death, death. <laughs> and uh, they come to the realization that she needs to figure out what the fuck is going on, yeah. and is sent to the real world to find out that women are in power as yeah. much as they thought. <laughs> yeah, 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 but it's not, uh, yeah, the world is not what she thought it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, so on IMDb, it's actually got a 7.5 out of 10, which I feel I, like it's That's kind of low. Yeah, I feel like it's probably getting some... He's got a bunch of those people out there going. Yeah, I feel like I feel like there's not an insignificantly sized uh, Venn diagram of people who review on IMDb and who are incels. <laughs> the real gauge here is the old. The real what? The old. The real gauge here. Gay. Just the real gauge. Sorry, there's an ad on Rotten Tomatoes that was showing a flabby belly, and at first I thought it was just a pair of tits <laughs> on the top of my screen. I'm like, why is there a porn ad oh, on IMDb. Rotten Tomatoes? The Rotten Tomatoes, what are you doing? What are you doing? Stop it. So, to Barbie, to Barbie, to Barbie movie has a 90% from the critics and an 87% from the audience. That seems more like it. Yeah. Um, 
I, yeah, I mean, it's made. I mean, I can pull the full numbers, but it's made over 170 million. It's made about 170 million dollars domestically mm-hmm. on a budget of like 125 million. Yeah. So what? 175 it's, with marketing because they market. Well, let's say 200 because they marketed. Those. I'm gonna say just go ahead and double it. 250 for marketing. Uh, it's still gonna make its money back if no, it hasn't hard. already. I think it already has. I think just the weekend itself was 337 million. I thought I saw somewhere. Let's go to old box office mojo. I want to be surprised if it hit a billion. Because I went on Monday, I went yesterday, and it was sold out. Yeah, like I just yeah. So domestic, one hundred and eighty-eight million. International, one hundred and ninety-four million. So worldwide, three eighty-two. Mm-hmm. So bingo, there you go. It's made its money back. Which the part that really like the cynic in me tells me that they're gonna be like, so is this a franchise? You know what I mean? Well, they talk about uh, oh shit the. Well, we'll we'll get in, but they yeah. tease another movie in it, and I was like. That actually sounds like a pretty fucking good movie. So, let's see here. we got to do non-spoilers. It's hard. It's a hard one because like, they didn't you, tell you much. No. As soon as you get in, it's spoilery. Yeah. So, we'll do just as, as characters vague and as chemistry. Characters and chemistry. Plot. Uh, yeah. So, start with uh, characters and chemistry. Or plots. Whichever one you want. <clears throat> Plot was amazing. Uh, mm-hmm. It felt like a, a pretty, really, a, a pretty, really, a really steady path that kind of keeps you along the line, but then there are moments where like we're talking almost like everything everywhere all at once where it's like super funny and then it just drops and, yeah, it gets and into you're like existential whoa yeah i didn't feel as if there were any parts of the movie that left questions like it felt like everything that they every pretty, pretty all the conflict up. that they brought up had an answer to it or at yeah, least some form it. of a resolution yeah so i mean that's always like a big plus with me yeah um what about you uh so i think yeah like we had talked about off air yeah the I, I found myself thinking about everything everywhere all at once just because of the using silly comedy mm-hmm. to kind of approach existentialism, yeah. you know, of like, what does it mean to be right? And then I think dolls are actually, honestly, toys are a good throughput for that of mm-hmm. like, it's a, a doll who's been made, right? And why, you know, and it's a similar question we ask, you know, <laughs> why do I exist, yeah. right? What's my purpose? What's my point? And then even more so when you look at a Barbie, you know, they're all branded, you know, or, or labeled. So it's like, a, you know, President Barbie. It's Lawyer Barbie. Barbie, Lawyer Barbie, Doctor Barbie. You know, what's my purpose yeah, when she's just Barbie? Barbie you know, stereotypical Barbie. She's just Barbie. Yeah. What's her What's her point, right? And they play on that with Ken as well. With you know, yeah, Barbie his, his whole purpose, yeah, was to be her sidekick, essentially. Boy toy. I saw a boy toy named Troy. I saw <laughs> to live in Detroit. Detroit. Uh, <laughs> I saw an interview with Ryan Gosling, and he described it well. He said that Ken is just another one of Barbie's accessories. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, she's got the car, she's got the dream house, she's got the mansion, she's got the plane, she's, she's got, got Ken, Ken. You know, and uh, you know, I mean, the, the funny, faint, you know, I guess popular anecdote. It's not like a gem I found. Uh, was I think he was on like Fallon or something, and he said that when Greta Gerwig, who wrote and directed it, asked him, you know, I think she called him or texted him or emailed him or something. But he was like, you know, yeah, he read the script. He really liked the script, was thinking about it, and said he went outside, and one of his daughter's Barbies was, you know, she was playing with her Barbies, and one of the Kens was face down in the mud next to a squashed lemon. And he took a picture of it, and he sent it to Greta, and he said, I must tell his story. <laughs> you know, like, that's that's Ken. I must, yeah. That's, that's Ken. Is He's just tossed to the side, you know, because who wants to play with Ken, you know? Nobody. Uh, and so I did like that. They kind of were even-handed, I felt. Um in the the way they dished up commentary, I suppose, because it definitely is 
make it makes a statement. Yeah. You know, what I mean, it's it's not um, subtle, I would say. No. Um, but also, I feel like it kind of was pretty good at being here's a statement, but also it can still appeal to a large audience. Yeah. You know, I don't think anything that they said or showed was like directed towards anything. No, it was and just also, like, I don't is... feel like it should have been controversial. Mm-mm. You know, and it, they didn't it say is... anything that was surprising. Yeah, you know it's, I mean? it's very controversial right yeah. now. I did love that, you know, the, the audience that is upset about it at is, Barstool is the same, <laughs> is the same audience that's like, go woke, go broke, Disney, yeah. you know, and you're like, yeah, yeah obviously, yeah. fucking made $400 million this weekend. <laughs> I'm gonna, not like it's gonna matter. We're yeah. a pretty small podcast, but yeah. Barstool. I don't remember the guy's name, but he's always talking about like news and shit like that. And yeah. he's talking. He's like, went and saw Oppenheimer and Barbie. And he goes, I'd not see it in the Barbenheimer, you know, bandwagon everyone's right, yeah. talking about because Oppenheimer was so much better. And I was like, yeah. okay. neither did I, but why are you why? making such a big thing of it? Yeah, like, right, who yeah. fucking cares? At- yeah, I saw them both. And spoiler alert, I enjoyed them both. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. they're both good movies. Yeah. They're also both very different movies. The yeah, whole point of the weekend. Fine. Yeah. I'm well, glad that they're that different is right, because I can point. watch this one and go, okay, now I'm about to watch this movie that's completely different. Yeah, I'm going to have two very different experiences this weekend at the movies, which, like we were talking about earlier, is a rare commodity. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm going to go see, there's two worthy films to go see this weekend, and they're two very different movies, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we have not had that in a minute. Um, but <laughs> uh, what do you think about characters and chemistry? Characters and chemistry are really good. Obviously, when they... Picked Margot Robbie, um, you know. Yeah, great casting. Great casting there. Who was the narrator? Uh, Helen Mirren, I believe, was the. What have what else was she in? Because that voice sounds so familiar. You're asking me who Dame Helen Mirren is? Maybe. <laughs> Let me just show you her face, and you go, oh. Well, like I said, like it, it, she started talking, and I'm like, I know who this is. Maybe she'll fucking load. Come on, Helen. Christ, I'm a crack. Yeah, I. Um, yeah, we went on a couple dates. <laughs> Oh, yeah, me and Helen, come on. <laughs> we go way back. Helen, I'll tell you what, she ain't telling. <laughs> lies. Mm-hmm. She ain't telling lies. Uh-uh. No, she was in no, red. She ain't telling uh, what we here, did I'll pull together. up her, uh, what? Hmm? She, oh, yeah, she was in Shazam, <laughs> Fury of the Gods, that one that we saw. Oh, yeah. And we didn't see that one. No. Uh, she was in fucking... <laughs> Sorry, I'm just still giggling about Shazam. <laughs> she's been, yeah, the most recent thing that I feel like she's been in that's probably been like, I, you probably haven't seen it, but that everybody would be like, oh, yeah. Uh, she's in the show, or the miniseries, 1923, which is like a Yellowstone oh. spinoff show. I mean, she's been in <laughs> fast fucking, the uh, fast movies, which is crazy <laughs> to me. But Helen Mirren, come on, baby. As far as like casting, yeah. did an excellent job with, um, yeah, we can talk, because they say it pretty early on, Michael Cera playing Alan, Alan yeah, uh, which is super funny, and <laughs> there's, how there's only like one, one Alan. Alan. <laughs> and I like that he just plays out like Michael Cera. Yeah, he's just, he, which got me thinking, like, do you think he's upset with that? Like, I don't, I don't know. Do you think he's just like, accept that role? I think he's probably just accepted it. That's sad. Yeah. That's a little sad. They're like, the whole point of acting is to be <laughs> to be not, other things, and, and yeah. everything but yourself, right? And he's just, just himself. Yeah, he gets pigeonholed That's, into what is it? Uh, this not stereotype cat. Yeah, stereotype casting. casting. Yeah, casting couch maybe, but yeah. you know, <laughs> Michael Sarah. Yeah, just, on the casting couch. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know if I can pay for this pizza. <laughs> <laughs> he just comes into the room. Shut. Go ahead and shut the door. <laughs> he shuts the door. Is this uh, is this the right place? <laughs> Got your ID on you? <laughs> uh, anyways, go ahead. But he was looking old. 
I mean, he looks older now. Yeah, but he's forty. I don't know. It's just funny. He's just such an awkward guy. I can't remember what her name was, but playing weird Barbie. <laughs> yeah, Kate um, McKinnon. Yeah, she did a really good job. And yeah. from seeing the trailers to the movie itself, <clears throat> she does a lot of like SNL. Yeah, and SNL is a lot of hit or miss comedy, right? And it's a lot of improv, and so I imagine they're probably going to give her more creative control of like improv in those scenes. Yeah, and I was really worried. I was like, I'm scared that like you know it's going to be a jab, you know, right. n- not you know a jab in the dark, and it's just going to be humor yeah. that misses, right? Yeah. She yeah. killed it. Yeah. She it, really good, and like all the quips and like one liners that she had were fucking yeah. making me wheeze, dude. <laughs> just. My favorite is because they just call her Weird Barbie, and she's basically supposed to be the Barbie that <laughs> was played that was played too hard with, mm-hmm. right? And so everybody has seen that Barbie. And the guy like the no hair, marker on the, the face. Yeah, got the marker on the face. Usually is naked. <laughs> you know, it has just like I said, the hair's been burned off, cut off. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all over which direction. Like you said, marker everywhere. And then the question that they ask when they're gonna go, like they're walking to go see us, why is she always in the splits? Why? And that killed me because I could just picture there's just this Barbie on the yeah, ground, and the legs are just. And the lights are just in both directions where you're like, God damn, they just beat this Barbie up and threw her down. You know? and that's, yeah, that's, Barbie. that's weird Barbie. <laughs> and she is in the splits often. Yeah, whenever like she's introduced, when she she's just, just relaxes. Like her, oh man, I gotta, instead of leaning on a wall, she just puts her leg up <laughs> yeah. into a split against the wall. Oh, what about you? How did you feel about characters and chemistry? Oh, I wanted to talk about um, Ken. Ryan uh, Gosling or Simi Leo? Simi. Simi? Yeah. Leo. Yep. Um, he did a really good job, especially of like being competitive and like, <laughs> yeah, like when I haven't seen Shang-Chi still yeah. hop off my back. I'm also <laughs> following a pretty hard list of like things. I'm like, well, I'll watch that. Yeah. Right. But like he, he had a very goofy, but like mm-hmm. on theme character. Yeah. And so it was cool to see him like do that. Yeah. Be a more silly character. Yeah. Yeah. But what about you? What'd you think about Ryan Gosling? I fucking killed it. Yeah. Yeah, he did a really good job, yeah. especially because, like, like I feel they... really bad that in a Barbie movie, I think he kind of shined. Yeah. Like, he stole the show a little bit. I do think, like, I thought there was kind of almost a um, metaphorical, in a sense. Okay. Of, like, it is a movie about Barbie. Yeah. And, you know, the events that happen, you know, during the whole thing, and Ryan Gosling ends up yeah, kind of taking over on it. Yeah. I and mean, it's just kind of like, yeah, well. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, seems that to happens. Be the, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I I really really enjoyed Ryan Gosling in it. Um, I also there you know without again we're trying to dance around spoilers. Um, the, America Ferrera has a role in it mm-hmm. that I think she did very good. Do you know which one America Ferrera is? She was Ugly Betty. Ugly Betty sounds familiar. She was the mom. Oh okay, Gloria. Uh, uh, yeah, was that her name, Gloria? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm scrolling through the IMDb and everybody's just Barbie. Oh, yeah, <laughs> because they're all Barbie. Oh, yeah, they're all Barbie. I uh, like how they're saying like all is Barbie and Barbie is all. Yeah. Um, no, so yeah, I thought America Fur actually did a very good job in the movie. Mm-hmm. It, She's she has some heavy, heavy stuff to to, to deal with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Will Ferrell was funny in it. Uh, I thought the movie did a very good job of being like pretty satirical mm-hmm. to the point where like I mean Mattel signed off on this movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? And. It kind of critiques Mattel. Um, but also there's a, almost a kind of like a, a certain level of like, well, okay, at least they understand. You yeah, know, Because right. like they signed off on this and they had to at least understand what they were trying to go yeah. with. And, well, and at the end of the day, the, if they go, this will make money. Yeah. You know what I mean? At the end of yeah. the day, it's the bottom line, yeah. which yeah, actually comes up in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Uh, yeah, apparently Margot Robbie and Greta Gerwig, because Margot Robbie was an executive producer on the film, she said that they, they were talking about that, how, you know, how do you get this signed off on? And they said they threw so many, like, basically medium-level threats, I guess, at Mattel, as far as, like, problems, air quotes, that mm-hmm. they could have with the movie. They just threw, like, a thousand softballs, essentially, you know. There wasn't anything super egregious, but stuff that they might take issue with that they just couldn't, you know. I mean, how do you fix this, right? So fuck it, just run with it, you know? (laughs) And and that was their their strategy was just, well, we're not going to do anything major to piss them off, but they're just going to throw so many things that they might take issue with that Mm -hmm. they're like, well. There's nothing we can do. Well, yeah, we can't change the whole movie. A certain scene comes to mind. that like The boardroom? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) Hard. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So... Uh, I, I just kind of want to rate it because yeah, I was getting the, I the wanna plot. Get, I want to get, get into it. Yeah, does is spoilers like you said almost immediately. So how do we rate stuff? Well, you can always be overwhelmed, which means your expectations were you know surpassed. You thoroughly enjoyed the film. You can be underwhelmed, which means uh, it was a big fat stinker. Uh, your expectations were not met. Yeah, or you can always be right in the middle and be simply whelmed. You want to one two three? It? Yeah, one, one two, two three. three. Simply whelmed. I was simply whelmed because my expectations were to be gas, and it was gas. It was very good. I, I, you were overwhelmed because our rating system is supposed to be it's good, bad, or it's mid, but you've redefined what it means. <laughs> no, you did. No, you, you did. You were the one who talked about it saying, I simply won't because it was really good and you know, I thought it was going to be really good and you brought it up. Mm. Then you sent me down this rigmarole of how yeah. I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do this anymore. <laughs> I'm done. I quit. Did you like the movie? I did. Very uh, much yeah, so. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. I was overwhelmed because it was I really will, good. I will buy it on a physical copy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's just one of those I'm going to buy. Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> fucking, we'll try and do chronological, but I just kind of want to hit because we're going to be talking about two yeah, big we're, movies. There's a lot got to, to talk just about. Main points. There's a lot to talk about. I honestly think I have more to talk about for Barbie <laughs> than Oppenheimer. I agree because Oppenheimer's pretty straight cut. Yeah. Whereas this is like, oh, there's themes and shit in this. Mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> what uh, we'll just start. Uh, what, what was your favorite? joke maybe in the movie so my favorite joke in the beginning of the movie before she ever left to the real world world, yeah is when she's showing everybody her flat foot and dr barbie just (laughs) and then they look over and they see ken Ken, a lifeguard ken (laughs) and they're like ken do not do that you know can you not sorry i'm sorry sorry. yeah they're all just, just gagging. Gag. It was such a good gag. Yeah. Like, it was just like a genuine. And I mean, that just. It's so. I felt like such a fucking weirdo. Because, like, when I laugh, like, I always go, like, nudge you or whatever. Right, and, yeah, like, and there's just nobody is, there. And there's nobody there. So I go to nudge and nobody's there. I'll say something like, this is so fucking stupid. And yeah. I'm like, why did I say that out loud? Wow. No one's yeah. going to, like. I feel like people are looking at me like, who's this guy fucking fuck talking this weirdo? to? Yeah. I came to see Barbie by himself in dress clothes. <laughs> I got off work, man. Yeah. In my uh, slacks. Yeah. <laughs> Morgan and I went and saw it. Uh, yeah, I wore my pink. I wore jorts for her. <laughs> so I can in, you know. And I had my pink polo on. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And my dudes. And, yeah, we went and saw it. And I, like I told you, there's you know, a bunch of girls in there wearing their pink. And mm-hmm. the, the two girls next to me had their drinks from McGuffin's Bar there at AMC, you know. And their, their feet are kicking in the recliners, you know. And uh, it does get very existential at times. Yeah. Like it, like we kind of prefaced. As soon as it starts, it doesn't stop, which I noticed is like it was a continuous mm. thing. No, I, I would argue against that. When she first gets to um, 
the real world. I feel like the ex- existentialism kind of starts when she sits on the bench, the the bus stop, yeah, and, and looks at the old woman who mm-hmm. apparently was Barbara Handler, which is the woman Handler. I barely know her. She's the woman that inspired Barbie. Oh, word. She's the daughter of Ruth. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. Hmm. And, you know, and she looks over at it and it's this moment where like she's looking out at the park, Barbie is, and she's crying because this sucks, mm-hmm. you know, real world sucks. And, um, you know, she's like seeing a mom and her daughter play and she's seeing a, a couple arguing, you know, while they're having a date. And she sees like a dude sitting by himself who just looks like he's sad, having a really tough go of it. And she's like kind of being overwhelmed by like, and she starts crying. Yeah, it's not a good day, Mm-mm. right, necessarily. But, I mean, some people are having a good day. You know, it's but that thing. Of, yeah. You know, we're in Barbie land. It's a great day every, every day. Every day is the best day. And she looks over at the old woman that's sitting next to her, and she says, you're beautiful. And she says something to the effect like, you I know, know, I know yeah, it. sister, I know it, you know. And, uh, and I really like that because it's like the thing that she's afraid of becoming, right? And she looked at her, and she realizes, like, man, she's really beautiful. There's you beauty know? in it. Yeah. And so it already kind of had that existentialism of her, like, kind of being overwhelmed by human mm-hmm. you know but then yeah at the end it does get very when she's worried about her purpose and that she doesn't think she has an ending mm-hmm. um and so it, it, there's a few lines in it that are a little pretty heavy and emotional and uh, the you know i'm getting all teary-eyed and morgan's crying and the poor young lady next mm-hmm. to me leans over to her friend and i heard her go dude are you fucking crying too because mm-hmm. she's like i'm crying you know she's like what the fuck man i wore my pink and i came here to laugh you know which was like you and i with everything everyone yeah. wants you know and that was what made me think more of that it's like i gotta watch that movie again yeah everything everywhere all once it's like the 20 minutes prior to the crying scene is like in barbie is a, a musical number by the kens mm-hmm. you know and it's just goofy as I'm fuck just can anywhere else i'd be a 10 yeah uh and i love it the when the fucking the backups all the kens you know, he's like i'm just ken and that's enough you know and, and he's like you know put that manly hand in mine and they're all holding hands and it's two two of them kiss him on the cheek yeah and he likes to laughing about it <laughs> but uh, yeah so trying to stick more chronological let's hit the mm-hmm. let's hit the notes i just wanted to talk about the parts that i really enjoyed the as goofy as it was when she gets well that's kind of a farther jump so during that uh bus stop scene yeah ken discovers the great art of patriarchy Patriarchy. (laughs) yeah i i wasn't expecting it to get that like i get not political but like socio-political sure you know just immediately they get to the real world and Ken immediately is like, yo, dudes rule here. But then when you look at the, his situation, but they kind of justify his, yeah, and the, which, which his leap. I was going to say, I, I felt like there's so many metaphors in the movie of like, yeah, what, what your, what, you know, what your purpose is, what a, a purpose is, or what supposedly the society sees a purpose as for a woman what and for a man, yeah, what you're made for air quotes. And so, you know, for, I think we see it more with Ken before we see it with Barbie. Barbie. Yeah. And then, because it does kind of like intertwine and take over. Yeah, they over. overlap with each other. <clears throat> but yeah, for like, Ken, he walks in there and everyone's kind of, he's like, I feel just so... Respected. Respected for who I am because he's, he's a... a man in a man's world. And a good looking guy. Yeah. Right? He's chiseled and yeah, like, right. as soon as you have that, people immediately kind of have more respect for you and yeah. look at you different. Yeah. And then, yeah, he learns, but he's like, I got to learn more about this, this stuff. Of, so like, he goes to like, the school library to look at <laughs> books of patriarchy. And some are like, women and why they're stupid, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he goes to 
like obviously just like a business air, you know, whatever the, mm-hmm. the generic business place is, you know, and he's like, I want your, you know, highest paying job or something like that, you know, and the guy's like, okay, well for that, you would need like at least an MBA, you know, we need this, this and the other thing, you know, so many years experience. And he's like, but I'm a man, I'm a man. He's like, uh huh. And he's like, you guys are doing patriarchy wrong. And he's he goes, like, no, we're doing it right. No, we're doing it right. We're just getting better at hiding it. You know, and Ken's like, oh, all right, you know. And again, and, it was just another like, oh. And then when he goes to the hospital and is talking to a doctor who is a woman, <laughs> woman. and is like, she's like, I'm not letting you do an appendectomy. He's like, but I'm a man. But I'm you a know? man. And she's like, I don't care, basically. And he's like, I'm going to need a clicky pen and a, and a clipboard, you know. And then a, a guy walks by and he's like, there he is, doctor. You know, and starts falling. There he is. There he is, doctor. <laughs> the fact that he's like man this patriarchy sucks. sucks i need to go somewhere where patriarchy doesn't exist yet and start it so that yeah. i can benefit from mm-hmm. it and so he's like i gotta go tell the kens about this yeah. <laughs> and just dips he just goes back he, he dishes just barbie dishes barbie <laughs> goes back to barbie land to form a patriarchy oh my gosh and then barbie makes it to mattel yeah <clears throat> Um, I, I guess uh, the whole she premise, goes back to the, well she goes to the school and talks to the girl that used to play with her yeah that's the whole premise is her life isn't going well in Barbie land because the girl that's playing with her is not having a good time right and so she's got to go find her and make her happy mm-hmm. and then that girl rips her, rips to shreds. Into her for being like you know you sexualize women yeah, like you know yeah you you're what's this, wrong with society's yeah. views on women yeah you know? this you made what women are supposed to look like, and you know, yeah. that, you you put that standard there. Yeah, and none of us can meet that. Right, and so and then she's like, <gasps> yeah, her her worldview is collapsing because yeah. she thought everything was going to be great out mm-hmm. there. And because I love that at the beginning when Helen Mirren's doing the narration and she's like, you know, basically Barbie came out and proved that little girls could be more than a mother. Yeah, right. Which I really enjoyed the opening of 2001: A Space Odyssey, <laughs> yeah. uh, and they just did it shot the, for shot. They're smashing the shit <laughs> out of their baby dolls. <laughs> Instead of crushing skulls with a bone. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, um, you know, she's like, you know, Barbie came out and proved that girls could be anything they wanted to be. They could see themselves in any role uh, and all that. And it was perfect. And it created equality. And the world is now fully evil and, and equal. And, and mm-hmm. it's been an incredible thing for all of humankind. And she's like, at least that's what they think in Barbie land. Yeah. You know, because obviously we're like, <laughs> no, yeah, like, okay. it didn't. Yeah. yeah. And maybe, so Barbie maybe. goes to the real world with that expectation. And it's, and it's not, not the case. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so she does. She has that that culture shock of this is not what I thought I was walking into. Um, and then you find out that that little girl's I say little girl. She's like a teenager. Yeah. That young, that, yeah. That young girl's mother works for Mattel. Yes. She's the secretary for the CEO. For the, yeah, it for looks the executives. Like. Yeah. yeah. She's an assistant to the executives. Assistant to the regional manager. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, she's been doing some Barbie doodles and they look an awful lot like stereotypical Barbie outfits that she's been wearing too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she says like you know this is like thoughts of impending death cellulite uh, cellulite barbie uh, this is um i think was a depression barbie something like something that. like that uh and it's all the things that she's you know worried about mm-hmm. it was like exhausted barbie or something yeah. like that you know and the, you know so now you're they're kind of laying the groundwork that oh no it's it's mom that's yeah. affecting barbie <laughs> and the executives are tools right <laughs> And it's Will Ferrell's the CEO of Mattel. He didn't have as big of a role as I thought he would have. Right. I thought he would have had a lot more screen time. Yeah. I'm not like, I don't dislike Will Ferrell, but I'm glad just in this movie he didn't. Yeah. And he was kind of dialed down a little bit in his Will Ferrellness, yeah, I felt. He wasn't 
that was a really good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. We're like, it's, you know, you have an expectation of Will Ferrell. He wasn't Anchorman, you know. <laughs> yeah. I'm in a glass box of emotions. You know, it wasn't that. No, no. Um, he was pretty contained. But <laughs> one of my favorite lines from him is uh, when he tell when he calls her a Jezebel. <laughs> oh, so, what? We can't say we Jezebel, can't Jezebel now? <laughs> yeah, and it's perfect, like, workplace culture of, like, yeah. what can't you say? <laughs> oh, what? I can't say Jezebel now, you know? And because uh, they're 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 gonna turn on the the box protocol was what it was to get yeah. capture Barbie and return because apparently Skipper had gotten out. Gotten which out. Skipper is the one with the inflatable the boobs. inflatable breasts. <laughs> You're like Jesus, like that was a that real was a thing. real Barbie, and that's the thing that they did. Every Barbie they referenced was an actual Barbie. <laughs> so the ones that are horrifying to you, yeah, yeah, they, they were existed. Real. They were yeah, that was like, a thing. Like a Barbie whose boobs could be blown up and shrunk. I like when uh, Barbie was asking uh, Will Ferrell like. There's no women in power up here. Yeah. And he's like, and this is the scene I was talking. I said I wanted to yeah, talk about. And he's like, like, yeah, I want to meet the CEO. Where is she? And he's like, oh, God, that's me. That's me. She, yeah. Then she starts rattling. All right, the CFO. Yeah. The guys, yep, that's me. COO. Uh, COO. Yep. Me. Uh, uh, president of the Barbie division. Mm, that's me. That's me. Yeah. Like, where are all the women? And he's like, I don't like what you're implying yeah. here. I resent that. You know, we had a female CEO in the nineties, and then we and had then another, another one before. For that in another time yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i did i i feel like they did a i think some people are gonna miss it <clears throat> i think they did it a little too subtly because they had to where it almost felt like they were giving the ceos a little bit of slack by saying that they were like making will ferrell his character as the ceo genuinely seem interested in feminism yeah as opposed to feminism for profit mm. right of like well People buy feminism, so yep. we're going to do that. That's what we want. Um, to the point where like, he even is like, how dare you suggest that I, you know, care more about the bottom line than the future of little girls, you know, yeah. or something yeah. like that. But I feel like they're making, it's, there's that, a, there's a wink and a nod and a sarcasm. Yeah. yeah. And, but I think some people will take it away as like, this isn't what CEOs think. Mm-mm. You know what I mean? So I do think, you know, like I said, they kind of had to keep it more subtle than other commentary just because. Mattel's funding this thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mattel's paying for this movie. But at the end of the day, I don't know what the CEO of Mattel is. And yeah. it's not going to make me think I'm going to forget Mattel. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm just, but I'm not going to forget Barbie. Mm-mm. You know, I think yeah. it is, in the end, it's going to be a net gain for them as far as like yeah. you're going to have adults thinking about Barbie. Do you think Barbie's going to come back more on the shelves for little girls? Maybe, yeah. I could see them going, yeah, this is going to make a push. I could see Ken becoming more popular. You think? Yeah. I could see them maybe trying like modern Barbies. Do you think making like ordinary I think, Barbie? I don't know that Barbie's ever really gone away. I think she's just got more competition with like Bratz dolls and Monster High or whatever. All the different dolls. American are. Girl. Yeah. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Those are more like baby dolls. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the CEO was was funny. Uh, yeah. But yeah, when he does, he goes, "Just get in the box, Jezebel," and everyone's like, <gasps> oh, "Yeah." And, like, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. Uh-uh. and he turns, and he's like, "Oh, what? We can't what? say Jezebel can't. now." <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and I like that she's like, "Can I go to the bathroom first? And they're like, "All right, yeah." Hey. She just fucking bolts. <laughs> Man, she must have really had to go to the bathroom. bathroom. Yeah, she's Beep. a runner. She's a track star. <laughs> she's just <laughs> and I like them all chasing her. It was very Scooby Doo. Yeah, yeah. You know them going in circles in the cubicles. Man, they bump into each other. And they both scream. Yeah. He goes, "Oh yeah. shit, Barbie, that was mine." Yeah, but to get her. Uh, and Gloria, the the mother, this the the mm-hmm. assistant. She ends up like, "Barbie, get the fuck out of the car. Yeah. We gotta go. Get in the car." And so they go on a run and they're, we got to get back to Barbie land, you know? And so they go back to Barbie land to discover that <laughs> the patriarchy has grown roots. And yeah, and it is fucking the funniest, like, 
Boof. They just really took the quote-unquote manliness and just cranked it up to 11. Just spit at it. <laughs> because you've got a bunch of guys who don't know what it is. You know, Again, these are all with quotes. Yeah. Societal expectations, right? What it means to be a man. Mm-hmm. And so they're like looking at books and culture of like, oh, this is what it's like to be a guy. Yeah. And then doing that. Yep. <laughs> and so it's them. Basically, and I saw somebody point out that it's like, this is little boys turning into men, mm-hmm. you know, in in those expectations. Yep. And so it's like, oh, man, you used to be cool little kids, and now you're Assholes. these. <laughs> yeah. But the, them all, yeah, he's he's made his house the, he took, you know, they kicked all the Barbies out of their dream home. Excuse me, took the Barbies out of their dream homes. And they took over. Took over. Uh, and they're like, going to change the constitution of Barbie land. <laughs> so they can stay in power. Yeah, which is very like, oh, oh man. Ooh, yeah, we're really just going to change the constitution right on now. you. Yeah. We're going to change the constitution on you to adjust your rights. And you're like, "Oh." And that's where the right the rights the right people like, start going. Yeah. <laughs> we don't do that. As they're actively <laughs> as they're doing it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was pretty good. But I love when they're driving through and and you know, it's they're showing you a bunch of things and it's very like Planet of the Apes almost, <laughs> you know, of like, here's the Mount Rushmore of Barbies, except now they're horses. Horses, because for some reason Ken is obsessed with horses. He saw a horse in the real world. He thought he thought he thought patriarchy mm-hmm. had more to do with horses. horses. What was he saying to the other Kens? He was like, you know, when I first started looking at the patriarchy, I thought it was about horses, but then I realized that horses are just male extensions. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, they're extensions of man, and you just sit on a horse, you know. And uh, that's you know, what it is. And like they've man. got saloon doors on the house. <laughs> they all say Kendom. Yeah. And his is the Mojo Dojo Casa house. <laughs> Ken's Mojo Dojo Casa house instead of Barbie's dream house. And uh, <laughs> they're like, what the fuck? But all the Barbies are in like, you know, quote unquote, sexy maid outfits. Mm-hmm. They're all and beer in them. Serving them beer and rubbing their feet and shit. And I love the analogy that Gloria makes when she, you know, they come there and they're like, oh my God, what's going on? Why are all these Barbies just hook, line, and sinker for patriarchy? (laughs) And she's like, it was like the 1500s with smallpox. They had no defense against it. They just, they'd never come into contact with anything like this. They had no resilience to it. So all they had to do was just mention patriarchy and they just buckled. (laughs) And, uh, you know, as soon as smallpox showed up, they just all died. They had never come in contact with anything like that. Brainwashed. <laughs> they just inoculated for, they hadn't been inoculated to, yeah. which is why Barbie doesn't fall for it. Cause she'd mm-hmm. been to the real world and seen it and was like, this is Built up not the, good. Yeah, not cash <laughs> got, a, got a tolerance to it now. And, uh, yeah. So the Kens were, were really big in the second half of the movie mm-hmm. and I didn't expect them to become the villains like that. No, uh, yeah. I was expecting more. So Mattel to be the, the yeah, villain, to be the bad but guy. They really, yeah. They didn't have that big of a role. No, uh, you know? which again, I think was probably a safe, no. safe move. No. Um, but they do, uh, I think in the end, like, quote unquote, society, right? <laughs> society. Society. You say peacock. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> was, was, the, was the, you know, was the bad guy in the scenario of like, look at what it all did to both sides of them. Yeah. You know, the, both uh, the Barbies and the Kens. Um, but I did really, my, f- one of my favorite jokes of the whole fucking movie is, the Kens when Barbie's like, all right, here's the, here's the deal. We're going to slowly inoculate the Barbies to patriarchy mm-hmm. by letting Gloria just, just rant at them about how, how much it sucks to be a woman yeah. in a patriarchy, you know? And so that, you know, slowly turning them right. 
And when she is all right, one, all right, here's the plan. You're gonna go in if they're watching. They're watching The Godfather, and you're gonna say you've never seen The Godfather, <laughs> yeah. and you know you've got him for hours, right? He's stuck. He's stuck now, you know. And so she comes in. She's like, "Oh, is this The Godfather? I've never seen this." And he's like, "How have you not? You've seen never this? seen this? Oh my god!" And she's like, "Well." Is it, you know, are you very far in? He's like, oh, I'm almost done. She's like, well, why don't we restart it? And you can talk the whole time. <laughs> and that fucking killed me of just, he's going to just mansplain Godfather yep. to her the whole time. I want you to watch this, but listen to me. But listen to me commentate. Listen to how smart I am because I get it. And uh, and then there's a little jab at like the Snyderverse guys. Because, mm-hmm. you know, one of the Barbies is like, I don't know why, but I just have this compulsive, have this compulsive need. need to see the Zack Snyder cut of the Justice League. But. The fucking Kens, you know, Barbie comes up and it's time to finalize their plan. Then they're going to go all go seduce their Ken mm-hmm. and then uh, turn them on each other. And so she goes to Ken and says, you know, comes to his Mojo Dojo Casa house and is like, I want to be your, you know, long or short your, distance, your long term, <laughs> non-committal, live-in girlfriend or something like that. You know, and he's he, excuse me, and he steps around the corner Sublime! and he goes, Sublime! <laughs> and then steps back out and he's like. That should yeah. be cool. Yeah. No. All right. That's cool. Yeah. And uh, you want to come inside and I can sing at you? I can play the guitar. I can play the guitar at you was what killed me. Was him saying four hours you. later. Yeah. And it's just them at a beach and they're playing push by Matchbox 20, <laughs> which like you and I said, could have and should have been Wonderwall, Wonderwall. maybe. Uh, but I'd heard, and this is just like, I read someone say it online. This so. is just a theory. <laughs> a can theory. Uh, that they couldn't get Oasis on board for Which sucks. A, a cover of Wonderwall by Ryan Gosling. Come on. So they got Rob Thomas to go. Yeah. 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 Matchbox 20 fully endorses Ryan Gosling singing <laughs> Push, playing the guitar. And I like that they're all in just like a semicircle on the beach by individual campfires <laughs> singing to their Barbie. And one of the Kens is just playing a drum set. <laughs> just beating it up. Yeah. And then when they execute their plan, it's, Barbie starts playing on her phone while he's trying to play the guitar at her. And she's like, he's like, who are you texting? She's like, nobody. nobody. Who, who are you texting? Nobody. Just let me see that. And he takes the phone. And it's simulated as Ken. He's like, Ken! You know, and so then they're like, excuse me? And she gets up and they all just start they switching start Kens. Swapping. And all the Kens are like, what the fuck? You know? Going for their egos. Yeah. And then that's how easy it is that they all regroup. Crumble. Yeah, the Kens all break off into groups and are like, you know what we got to do? Got to go to war. <laughs> you know? And it's like, that's the manly solution. They're just going to go into infighting. That's, and we yeah, gotta, we gotta go to patriarchy. war. We gotta go to war. And uh, but we, you know, all right. We'll attack at dawn. He goes. Mm, I want to. I want to sleep in a little bit. All right, ten a.m. Ten a.m. <laughs> we'll do ten a.m. Not too late. Not too early. Not too late. Not too yeah. early. And it is an amphibious landing of cans <laughs> on like floaties and shit coming ashore, throwing. Uh, uh, what do we decide they were? Uh, um, Lacrosse sticks yeah. as like javelins and shooting suction cup uh, arrows. Air, arrows. And fucking Simu Liu is being carried in like he's Xerxes from the Persians <laughs> just on, <laughs> on, on, the on the chair. And uh, I like when they're just basically beaching off. You know, yeah, gonna, oh, that was probably my other favorite joke. I'm going to yeah, beach you off. off. I'm a beach. I'll beach both of you yeah, off I'll right beach now. beach both of you off. They're like exposing their abs at the other cans and they're just uh, uh, and falling down. And then when both Ryan and Simu uh, get, you know, confront each other, they both just start exposing their abs and it creates like an explosion, basically. And I like that one of the cans nearby is just screaming as the energy is hitting him. 
and, and then they just, for some reason, it just turns I into a musical number. Because <laughs> his eyes are closed. He can't stand it. He can't look at it. It's too bright. And he's screaming like it's overheating. Oh my god! Yeah, and then it just turns into a musical number. That was a really very good, good, funny, and very well like choreographed. You know, and it was definitely supposed to be a, a reference to Greece. Yeah. Of like they're all in the black t-shirts mm-hmm. and just all of a sudden they're in an empty room. Yeah. You know, it was very grease lightning and they're all running zigzagging in between each other. And I did hear the side note yeah. when Barbie and Ken do go to the real world, that entire motion of like them walking through like the nature was, on the, it, was, was practical. Actual, yeah, it was practical. Yeah. They were on a, like a, a treadmill style mm-hmm. rig, which like I they thought used that was to do. really cool. I figured, I figured that'd be cheaper to do something like Maybe, that compared yeah. to, you know, doing something like CGI. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, because like, you know, like he said, that was all practical. And then, uh, Greta Gerwig was talking about the joke uh, being the opening of 2001, a space odyssey. Mm-hmm. Um, when she told her like set production guy and her director of photography, this is what we're going to do. She was like, I want to get the actual lenses that Kubrick used. And I want to get as much of the set as we can. So that was actually the set. Oh, really? From 2001 A Space That's Odyssey. Dope. That's and, awesome. And use the actual lens of the yeah. camera. And we're going to shoot this thing. Try to get as... <laughs> we're gonna, and you know, she said they paint, like studied that whole opening. And so like everything, every shot That's is, into the craft. is 2001 That's A Space Odyssey. Even the little girl walking up and touching the leg of Barbie is one of the chimpanzees touching the monolith. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> and and, uh, and like I said, you know, they're beating the Barbie dolls against the, or the baby dolls against the ground. Like the teapots and shit like yeah. that. That was so fucking funny. Um, but so it's not surprising that they did that practically as well. The, yeah. the you know, like you said, the, the traveling mm-hmm. <clears throat> where they're just dragging the set behind them yeah. on, uh, on a reel. But uh, yeah, it was, it was very good. And then uh, we do get... Like I said, the great musical number in the Barbies while the Kens are all busy beaching off and then singing together. And I do like that the Kens kind of come back together through song, <laughs> you know, like they're just all buddies now by the end because they realize that they're all common in their plight of like yeah. being Ken. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that the resolution of the song is, you know, I'm Ken and that's enough. Yeah. And I'm great at doing stuff, yeah. you know, and uh, the Barbies just go back and they all sign into law mm-hmm. that this is <laughs> we're going to keep Barbie land. He's like. Were we supposed to vote today? He's like, shit, that was today. Yeah, yeah. that was today. That was today. And that, that's very man. We forgot. You know, Damn. fuck. Nobody was there to remind us. You know, we didn't have the, the girls there to tell us, keep us on schedule. Yeah. Uh, but uh, then it gets heavy again. Yeah. Because all everything's resolving. It's gone well. Mm-hmm. And like Ken's having a, uh, a, a really freak hard, out yeah. because he doesn't know what his purpose is and Barbie's kind of gone through enough change herself of like learning from Gloria and Sasha. Isn't that the daughter's name? Sasha. Mm-hmm. Um, that like what it means to be herself, mm. you know? And I did like that, that she's not Barbie. She's Barbie, mm. you know? And it's like, she is Barbie, you know? Yeah. And, um, she, she kind of goes up and talks to Ken and has a nice, like, and it did, it felt like talking to, like it was directed at, at men and boys yeah. of like, you're not your dojo mojo, you know, you're not your mojo dojo casa house. Mm. That's not who Ken is. No. You're not your trucks. You're not your horses. You're not, he's like, am I beach? You know, she's like, no, you're not beach, you're you know, which is a job, yeah. you know? And it is very like, you see that pressure a lot of like men are valued for the things they have, the job they do, mm-hmm. you know, how much money do you make? You know, yeah. that kind of thing. Um, and her basically having to tell him like, you need to figure out who Ken is. And Ken is not, I, I don't like you that way. Yeah. Um, and so you have to figure out who you are without Barbie. You know, it's, oh man, so he's not, 
He's not his girlfriend. He's not his job. He's not yeah. his stuff. He's got to figure out who Ken is, you know? And that was kind of heavy of like, mm-hmm. that's, that's true. You know, that's very, um, I felt even handed of like showing here's the problems of being a dude in this too. Yeah. In this system. And, uh, then, you know, Barbie kind of has that moment of like, I don't know what my ending is. Like we yeah. figured everybody else out, but like, what, what's I still my don't deal? Know mine. And, uh, Ruth, who's the creator of Barbie is just there inexplicably. It's that surreal. Yeah, that's they said her thing. ghost lives on the seventeenth <laughs> yeah, floor. Ghost has an office on the seventeenth floor, and she kind of comes and is like, "Baby, why don't you, why don't you go for a walk with me?" You know. I also, I also like how <laughs> the thing was with the second movie that they could potentially make is they talk about and they kind of like nudge at it. They're like, "Well, Ruth, <clears throat> she ended up." What was it, going to jail for like tax evasion? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, "But that's another, that's movie. another movie." And then they look and. Went, you know, wink at the camera, <laughs> yeah. and I was like, uh? Yeah, because she had, like, there's an actual, like, story of the, yeah. the making yeah. of Barbie. And so, with Oppenheimer doing so well, right, yeah, I could like see them doing... Ruth biopic, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, and so she does. She kind of takes her into, like, this, you know, ethereal, like, empty space. You know, like, a liminal space, basically. Yeah, yeah. And is talking to her, and, you know, Barbie's kind of like, I, I... You know, the implication is, like, I, I want to die, but not in, like, a suicidal way, but in, like, a... I don't want to do this forever. I want to have an ending. Yeah. And uh, Ruth is kind of like, baby, it's heavy. Like, it's hard, mm-hmm. you know? And, like, being human isn't all it's cracked up to be sometimes. And, like, there's a really powerful, like, montage of sorts where she says, like, let me show you what it's like, you yeah. know, and, and holds her hand. And there's actual, like, home footage mm-hmm. that Margot Robbie said was from the cast and crew. So it's all real. Oh, wow. You know, it wasn't, like, bought and produced. Sure. It was just yeah. genuine these are moments from life. Here's somebody that's sick and dying. Here's, mm-hmm. you know, grandma's 90th birthday. Here's a baby being born and all that, you know, and it's like, it's all of this, you know, and it's not fun sometimes, yeah. you know? And, um, that was when I started getting emotional because it was just that like, shit, yeah, there's a lot yeah. to it, you know? And then you've got fucking Billy Eilish, you know, playing in the background and it's a really good song, you know, and it's that nice, like, Oh God, you know, they really kind of nailed the, the punctuation of putting <laughs> a sad song in, a, in an emotional spot, you yeah. know? And I forget the setup of the the line, but Ruth has a really like mm, that's a that's a that's the line of the movie right there is where she says, uh, "Mothers stand still so that daughters can look back and see how far they've come." Mm. You know, it's like, pfft. you know, it's that progress thing of like, you know, yeah, I might I might suck where I'm at, but if I look at what my mom dealt with when she was a girl, you know, a girl, yeah, I guess we're moving forward, you mm-hmm. know. And so it's all right. Because I mean, that is the end goal. I mean, for not only a mother, but for a, a, a father as well. Yeah, just a parent in general. Is that your kids are better off than you were? Yeah, and that's you what know. you want. Yeah, to that's, happen. that's all you can shoot for is that mm-hmm. they they end up better than you, you know. Uh, which I think is why sometimes you get dysfunctional parents when they're envious of their children doing better than them, mm-hmm. you know, because they lost sight of the goal. It's like that's what you want is yeah. for them to do better than you, you know. And if they do, then you did your you did your, your job, yeah. you know. And it's like, man, that's that's heavy shit too, you know. And, and then they really kind of twist it around on you when uh, Barbie goes back to you know, she she decides she's going to be a human. Yeah, I'm going to go and live in the real world, and yeah. I'm going to do it, and I'm going to give it a real try. I'm going to live in the quote unquote patriarchy and just exist, right? Yeah. Um, the plights of a woman, good or bad. And uh, they're all prepping her, and it looks like maybe she's going in for a job interview. Yeah, you know, and it's Gloria and her husband her and Sasha. Yeah, she's got her Burks on. She's got her her. You know, power suit on, mm-hmm. you know. Like, all right, we'll be here when you get out. You're going to do so good, yeah. you know, whatever. You got this. You got this. Right. So she goes in and she's like, you know, I'm Barbara Handler, you know, and and uh, <laughs> they 
All right. And uh, what are you here for? And it does just a tight shot in on her head, on her face. I'm here for my gynecologist. Gynecologist. (laughs) Oh, no. Her first experience as a woman is she's got to go to a gynecologist. You know? Oh, shit. (sighs) You know? And it's like, oh, Oh, man. Well, you know, being a woman. You know? That's part of it. That's life. Yeah. And uh, I did. I thought, man, that was, uh, the the whole thing was very good. But, yeah, for it to get as heavy as it did there towards the end, I was like, man. Yeah. This is... But, like, my dad and I talked about it on the way to go see Oppenheimer, actually, because we had such a drive. And I was telling him, because he was like, you're going to go see Bobby, that's stupid, you know. I was telling him, that was actually gas, yeah. like, uh, really good. And we were talking about it and how it was existential and things like that. And he said, you know, he's always thought that, like, comedy and sci-fi both are very good avenues to, like, address the human condition. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, comedy really lowers your guard, especially if it's, like, good comedy yeah. you know what i mean not dry yeah where you're where you're drawn into it and you're like man that's really good and oh no now i'm because i've been broken down through comedy now i'm very vulnerable to a lesson you know mm-hmm. um again like everything ever all at once and both of them i think used um like goofy you know uh what's the word i'm looking for here where it's absurd it uses absurdity mm-hmm. you know where like you figure everything ever all at once has hot dog fingers you know and shit they're, like that they're rocks yeah people putting shit in their ass to <laughs> you know to become a better fighter and it's like what the fuck is this you know but then it's like what's it mean to be a person you yeah. know and so yeah it's it's the same thing of like you know <laughs> this is barbie and ken and, and you've got ken's having a beach off in a musical session and all that and then you know, it hits Ken, you with that. And then it hits you with the punctuation. Like, Ken's got to learn to be himself and not valued by what a patriarchy says it is to be a man. He's just mm-hmm. going to figure out who Ken is. Yeah. You know, and Barbie, same way. I want to go have an ending. I don't want to do this forever. Yeah. It's like, Jesus. I liked it, though. I yeah, thought it was that was good, good shit. Good shit. Yeah. Gas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Overwhelmed. Anyone who says it's not good can literally just fucking <laughs> get over yourself. <laughs> yeah, unless they have a genuine criticism and the criticism isn't. They just, uh, just, just they mentioned the patriarchy. They're just bashing men. Because yeah. I really, I didn't, I didn't not. feel bashing. I didn't, no, was, not at was, all. It was definitely bashing, quote unquote, the patriarchy as a structure, but not. Which, yeah, is fair. If you watched this movie and felt like you were personally attacked, then you are the problem. Then you're the problem. Yeah, yeah. If you feel targeted, you need to look. It, in there's the mirror. a reason. Yeah. yeah. Fuck. <laughs> I mean, honestly, though. Yeah. Come on, man. Hour sixteen. Fuck. Shit, Come dude. on, Oppenheimer. Shit, we got another hour and a half for Oppenheimer. Oh my god, just a ninety-minute discussion about oh Oppenheimer. My god. Old Oppenheimer. What's the synopsis of Oppenheimer? Mm. <laughs> Fuck, dude. Throw this one on me. So uh, shit on me, Doctor Oppenheimer. Yep. What's his first name? Robert J. <clears throat> J. Robert. I forget what the J stands for. It's like Julius. They said nothing. Well, yeah, that's in the movie. But he does actually genuinely have a first name. It's like Julian or something to that effect. You really had to fucking say that shit. I took a swing in, swing in the dark. Big old miss. Robert Oppenheimer. Yep. Old J. Rob. <clears throat> Sounds like A-Rod. He like is. The baseball player. <laughs> yeah. Old J. Rob. He is a. Uh, physicist. Physicist for the. Not the combustion of stars, but his big focus is like what happens to stars when they die. Yeah, I mean that's where his theory ends up mm-hmm. leading to is just the universe. And um government comes in, they're like <sighs> World War Two's happening. I don't know if you've paid attention outside, but there's Nazis. Yeah. And uh you're gonna you're gonna, you're build, gonna build a bomb. Yeah. And so He's like, Alright, let me build a team. <laughs> I'm gonna assemble a team. Call it the Avengers. And they got RDJ in there. I mean it is the Avengers. They got RDJ. They got uh, 
Captain America made an appearance. Nope. Fucking no. <laughs> when Hulk showed up, I was up trying to think. I was like, was Mark Ruffalo in this? And no. I was like, no, no. Uh-uh. I do think our DJ might have been the only Marvel actor. Ah, uh, Florence Pugh. Yeah. She's uh, Yelena. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there actually is anybody else. I'm sure there's like minor. Anyways. You know, any, yeah, not important. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need to relate it back to Marvel. <laughs> Me. I'm superhero to hell. <laughs> But no, uh, so yeah, he's building the bomb. And it's just Damon, like he plays Loki, the actor <laughs> playing Loki. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Matt Damon, <laughs> just the doll. Yeah, uh, yeah. America, fuck, fuck yeah. yeah. Good. Uh, so yeah, he builds this team, and um, yeah, you know how he dropped atom bombs yeah. at the end of World War Two. Yep. This is how he made them. Bingo. This is about the dude who made them. The before and after. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a roughly, it, yeah. It's like I said, I'd I'd call it like plus or minus six years either side of the bombs. Because yeah. we see the bomb happen, and then it's like that's it. And we only see the test, you know. It, yeah. Because the movie, something that it does interesting, is um, it is exclusive. Well, not exclusively, primarily. In the first person, it is only if Robert yeah. Oppenheimer was not there to experience it. It's in black and white. You don't see it, and if we do see it, it was in black and white, mm-hmm. uh, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Yeah, and uh, even the script apparently was written in the first yeah. person, according to Chris Nolan. Where you know when it's from Oppenheimer's perspective, it's written as I. You know, and I thought, oh, that's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm talking numbers. <clears throat> Talk numbers. Fucking Rotten Tomatoes. I thought you were giving me the bird for a second. Yeah, <laughs> <just like, laughs> uh, right there, bub. <laughs> <laughs> Real brand new, got it from Target. It's on sale. Uh, no, ninety four percent on Rotten Tomatoes from the critics and a ninety three from the audience. Um, I do think it's probably received less hate. Uh, you know, so probably kind of skews the numbers a bit. Mm. Let me pull up their box office. Old Oppieheimer, there he is. Domestic ninety five million, nearly a hundred million dollars. Uh, international was one hundred and fourteen for a worldwide of two oh nine. On a budget. I didn't do that for Barbie. Oh, yeah, I did. I mentioned the budget. Mm-hmm. Let me pull up the budget here for old Oppenheimer. $100 million, So, bingo. Made his money back, too. Yeah. Uh, which I told you. <laughs> it was a, you know, it's a three-hour-long R-rated biopic. For it to do $100 million is stupid. Yeah. That was definitely in part, in large part due to the Barbenheimer thing. Mm-hmm. Um, of just getting the name out there. And then, like, and then, like we talked about, it's a different thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, this looks interesting and compelling and i don't want to say heavy but like important i yeah. guess is is a good thing a good way to phrase it um it was educational yeah you know i guess i'll let you start again with the plot, plot. spoiler free plot thoughts plot moves quick mm-hmm. especially in the first like hour yeah it's like it's shit's bumping and thumping and for me who's a simpleton mm-hmm. it was kind of hard to kind of keep up with that a little sure. bit I guess more, in, I guess, in the minor aspects of, like, he meets a lot of people, and those people are important that he met for the problems that he has in the six-year jump in the future. Sure. And that moved so quickly for me that I was like, how is this, you know, where are these accusations coming? Why is right. you know, this happening because of this, yeah. you know, when that was happening so quickly? Mm-hmm. Um, but then as soon as it, as soon as that after that hour part, it does start to s- slow down a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I never that, felt a drug. No, I never... For, that, for three hours, I felt it was pretty well-paced. Yeah. That's why I was trying to say, like, it slowed down, but, like, it wasn't yeah. dragging. Yeah. But, like, just feeling the intensity of not only of the situation, but of the emotions of each individual character. Yeah. I thought it was very high and, like, high stakes. Yeah. You know, because it is, like, a high-stake, high-reward kind of feeling. Yeah. But then is it is it really? 
yeah, you know, uh, right. high, you know, because it's stakes are high, yeah. But yeah. is it like a high feeling that you're getting? Of, right. Yeah. I mean, it's, know, uh, yeah. There's the regret, right? Yeah. Or like the, uh, I don't know that we should be doing this. Yeah. You know, there is, yeah, it questions the ethics, right, of, mm-hmm. of science, and just because you can build this bomb, does that doesn't mean you should? should? Yeah. But what about you? Yeah, I mean, I, I did appreciate the way that they told the two stories, um, or I guess two perspectives on on parts of the story. Mm-hmm. Because it's basically Robert Oppenheimer's perspective on his experience with his, you know, the creation of the, the atom bomb. Yeah. Um, and then it's Louis Strauss, who was the director of the American Energy Commission, or the Atomic Energy Commission, uh, and was being, he'd been uh, basically nominated by the president to be his commerce uh, cabinet member. Something like that. Um, and so he has to be basically confirmed by the Senate. And so he's going through his Senate hearings where he talks to them. And they ask him questions and basically get an idea on if they think this guy fits for, for the commerce. And Oppenheimer is seemingly not on trial, but doing some sort of deposition yeah. to like um, de- basically get his security clearance mm-hmm. uh, renewed. And so it's kind of those two perspectives. of, And it comes up a lot of like, you're not on trial. But it sure feels like a trial. Yeah, sure. You know, I got my lawyer here with me. Yeah. It sure feels like a it trial. It feels like a trial, right? Uh, and so that was kind of a neat parallel between the two stories. Um, and like you said, it's black and white when it's Louis Strauss's side of things, uh, you know, his perspective on things, and then it's in color when it's Oppenheimer's perspective. And I really like the way they balance that out, especially some of the editing towards the end, where the two tend to kind of intercut more frequently um, and manages to like. It almost helps it make sense yeah. like between the two because it's like, this is what happened and this is how it was perceived for Oppenheimer. And here's how it was perceived by Strauss. Yeah. Um, I thought uh, Robert Downey Jr. did a very good job in this movie. Yeah. Of uh, It's similar to a Will Ferrell thing of I really dialing we're bumping it down. into characters and chemistry at this point. Yeah, a little okay. bit. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'll kind of float probably back sure. into plot. Um, but, well, you yeah, know, kind of toning down the Robert Downey Jr. in this. Yeah. It, well, it didn't feel like Tony Stark was up there. Yeah. Yeah, he wasn't playing a Tony Stark version mm-hmm. of of Louis Strauss. He was just playing Louis Strauss. Louis Strauss. I did appreciate the things that it um, didn't show. I guess in an extent, it, it showed restraint. In like, it could have very well been a war movie. Yeah, you know, been like, here's the horrors of World War Two, but it, it wasn't it, about it, that. You know, the movie's called Oppenheimer, and it's stuck to. Like I said, if Oppenheimer wasn't there to experience it, you, you didn't, didn't really see it. it. Um, and so that was interesting. I did see some people that were like critiquing the things that the movie didn't show. And I do think that's part of it is like, well, I mean, it wasn't about World War II. It was about Oppenheimer. Did you see that someone was already complaining about the scene where, and it's not really a spoiler, but it, uh, Oppenheimer's like walking into a room and people are kind of like waving the American flag. Oh, yeah. And it was the, the 50, 50 stars. stars. Yeah. Instead of 48. Like, Dude, what God the damn, f- yeah. Like, get a life. Yeah. Right. Like, do something. Go yeah. touch some grass. Yeah. Um, but I do. Th- but then again, like if it was a forty-eight star that flag, that would have been a neat. Like, oh man, wow, the attention to detail. You know what I mean? And so it does feel like an oversight, but not mm, not a major. Like, it didn't I mean, you saw it for like literally two seconds. Yeah, of yeah people and, just and it didn't the flag. lose impact. No. Um, yeah, it didn't affect the film. But uh, yeah, <laughs> again, I mean, it's a weird one to spoil because it's like it. it it's a, it's a true story. Yeah. Um, I guess the only thing to spoil would be like the way it's presented. Yeah, well, you know I, mean, I mean, there's, there's, there's like moments a, in it that there's one thing that I think could be spoiled: the ending. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like that's it. Everything else is like, well, oh, you yeah. knew this was going to happen. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, they make the atom bomb and it works, you yeah. know. Um, so I guess we rate it. And, yeah. you know, to recap, how do we rate stuff? You can always be overwhelmed, overwhelmed good, <laughs> underwhelmed, bad, simply whelmed, mid. mid. Yeah. Three, one, two, two, one, one. overwhelmed. <laughs> overwhelmed. Did you say three, two, one? You said one, two, three. You said one, two, one. Overwhelmed. It was yeah. gas. Gas. But yeah, I, I guess just starting off from Oppenheimer, I'll let you start off because like it just moved so quick yeah. for me. It's, it's hard to keep up, so you'll probably pinpoint um, better things than I will. I did think they did a pretty good job of like, like this is it's not story based, but just um, it's factually based, subtly aging and de aging Killian Murphy. Yeah, yeah, I mean where they it didn't wasn't use intense. Any, yeah, they just used makeup to mm-hmm. make him younger and older. So like because we start off seeing him as a college age student. Um, at like Cambridge mm-hmm. and um, you know they gave him longer darker hair and kind of softened his lightened his skin up and mm-hmm. things like that so oh yeah he looks younger you know uh, and I do think Killian Murphy's kind of right in the pocket of like he's in his mid 40s yeah and he's got a youthful enough appearance that you can young him up you can eyes. hold him up he's got piercing eyes mm-hmm. very blue Emily Blunt said that uh, she was like we always call him ocean eyes like the Billie Eilish song because <laughs> his eyes are just so blue, blue yeah um, but yeah, so it starts off. We see him in college um, studying. I I did think it was interesting that they included the tidbit about him trying to poison his professor. Yeah, and then he like is like, oh, oh better shit, not do yeah, that. better not do that. And it's like, oh yeah, this guy's not necessarily um, all good. Yeah, yeah, he's not not necessarily settled. And then yeah, they talk about him. they're like, did you not like him? He goes, no, I loved him. I loved him. Yeah, he's great. She's like right on, and she's like his his fiance is like you just need to get laid, and he's like, well, you know, yeah. Why did he try to kill his teacher? I, he was mad at him. It was he was he was ill adjusted, you know, hmm. of like he embarrassed him, I guess, in front of the class, and was like, well, I'll show you, bitch. I could just poison <laughs> you. you. And cyanide. Yeah, and then was like, oh, that's not cool. You don't just do that. Well, if you want to make things happen, that's right. You want to get things done. Yeah. So. Yeah, he, he does that. Uh, and like you said, there's a bit of jumping around of meeting a lot of people. And, and I mean, I don't want to say they're unimportant. I think it was more to demonstrate, like, it, why, I guess, maybe the justification of why he knows all of these important people yes. is that he's met them in his past. Yeah. You know, and to then and that was a, a, a benefit to him when it's like, all right, well, you're in charge of building this team of people. You know, well, I know a lot of bright scientists mm-hmm. you know so let's go find some you know i did appreciate once he gets to is it berkeley that he was uh building the quantum mechanics or the quantum physics yeah. department at um josh hartnett has a really good role as yeah. the um they were doing was it nuclear or radiation yeah um, building experimental you know, experimenting uh where they're like building, building a collider a of sorts yeah. um and he's like, oh, yeah, I, I intend to use this thing. And I did like that they just kind of made the distinction that he's not a uh, – they did a good job of it, using layman's terms to basically explain what type of science he is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of, like, he doesn't build stuff and he doesn't do math. He just thinks. Yeah. Basically, it's like his – he thinks about shit that nobody's ever thought of and then goes, okay, how can we – Apply this. Potentially prove this. You know, yeah. It sounds like a pretty good theory. How can I – test that and get to it and hand this off to Josh Hartnett's professor yeah, who specializes to, in, in experimenting, like you know, um, where it's the same thing with like Einstein. Einstein was just a dude that thought a lot yeah. about very abstract things that 
Listen, I think a lot about a lot of abstract <laughs> things, and I'm not coming up with anything. And you'll like see me these get no fucking Nobel, Nobel Prize. Prize. Uh, there is a lot of like good one-liners and, and things like that, and uh, that without being like catchphrasey, you know what I mean? It's not quippy, but like uh, Matt Damon, it plays Matt Damon. plays uh, General Groves, who comes to recruit him for mm-hmm. the Manhattan Project, and uh, you know. At the time, he was like lieutenant colonel, I think. Yeah. And uh, he's like, why aren't you a general? And he's like, well, they're making me one for this, you yeah. know. And he goes, you know, why don't you have a Nobel? Oh, because that's what it is. He goes, why don't you have a Nobel Prize? And he goes, why aren't you a general? Yeah. And he goes, they're making me one for this. And he goes, well, maybe the Hopefully, same will be true for yeah. me. He goes, you think they're going to give you a Nobel Prize for building a bomb? And he says, uh, Mr. Nobel invented dynamite. <laughs> like, yeah, I think I could get a Nobel Prize for making a bomb. He's yeah. like, all right. I see why everyone hates you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and Groves had a really good line when uh, he's like, you know, says something effective like, uh, "What brings you? Uh, what brings you to just a humble scientist?" And he goes, "I'll let you know when I meet one." Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, I thought Matt Damon did a really good job as Groves. Yeah. Uh, of kind of playing a he's a, he's a military man. he's a general who has mm-hmm. a job to do and that's all he know, cares about. Yeah. Where like when he's talking about, uh, you know, I, I forget the line the way the line's phrased, but when he's talking to Oppenheimer about like. You know, it, adding up the this much money, this much that, you know, what do we have to show for it, all that? And he goes, Well, I don't know how you can put value to it. And he goes, It's easy. You add up the bills. He's <laughs> like, <laughs> so I can add value to this thing right now. Mm-hmm. I'll just show you exactly how much it cost. You know, and it's because that's what he was put in charge of is allocation and, you know, funding this thing. Yeah. And, what, you know, what did they say? It was $2 billion, $2 billion. in 1942 to 45 money. And <sighs> my dad and I did the math, or, you know, I pulled up the, it's happening right now, in the inflation calculator. Mm hmm. Uh, and it was like basically twenty billion dollars today. Yeah, You're like damn, twenty billion—that's it's not nothing. Yeah, you get a couple of those, you could probably, especially for just a secret, you fill know. up our debt. And that was to build you know, our debts, like almost thirty trillion. I said yeah. a couple. We got a long way to go. We got a bunch of couples and out a here. Short way to get there, you know. Uh, no, so I did uh, did appreciate uh, the dynamic between. Matt Damon and uh, Oppenheimer there, mm-hmm. <laughs> Groves and Oppenheimer. Uh, the thing that you and I mentioned was that there's a lot of, uh, oh, shit, I know that guy. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of faces in the movie yeah. that a lot of them have very little, little no to lines. do with the, the like, the importance of the plot, I mm-hmm. suppose. Yeah, they're just a, a, they a could character. Have been, yeah, they could have been you or I. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, or, like, Jack Quaid mm-hmm. is in it. Um Playing the bongos. Yeah. Tearing it up on Tearing the bongos. Tearing the bongos up. Uh. Um, to less of an extent, or, you know, to, I guess, to a more important extent, Rami Malek plays a key role towards yep. the end of the film. Um, Josh Peck. Josh Peck has a... Has a I literally, you know, like, two lines. Two lines, you know. But by God, he gets to set the thing off. Yeah. Apparently, the kid who played Roderick in Diary of a Wimpy Kid is I in it. I saw that, but I didn't, I didn't see it. When uh, Oppenheimer comes out of the giving the speech at the the bleachers uh-huh. and the guy's like holding on to the bike rack throwing up that's roderick uh, okay i mean there's a bunch of people the fucking i can't think of his name the pope the pope is in it yeah. yep fucking gary oldman plays harry s truman yeah you know and you're like my god just for like one scene just you get James. truman in one scene and it's uh gary oldman in in some makeup yeah, I mean, we get to meet all kinds of physicists and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and they're just like, fuck it. We're throwing Casey Affleck in here as another general. Um, I cannot think of the guy's name. And I, if only I had... Um, we were talking about it earlier. What's his name? He plays in Valerian... Um, 
Yeah. Uh, shit, the bad. He is. Hold on, I'm unimportant. That's what he is. <laughs> what the fuck is his name? He was. Uh, God damn it! Not that good of an actor, but. <laughs> Dane DeHaan is the actor's name. Dane DeHaan. Uh, yeah, and he plays one of the military uh, members that's on on base. But no, yeah, all kinds of fucking people that you're like, yo, I know that guy. Yo, I know that guy. <laughs> yo, what? David Crumholtz plays Isidore, uh, and which cracks me up because he was in uh, the Santa Claus movies. <laughs> you know, and yeah. you're like, yo, first of all, I didn't realize that guy had gotten old. <laughs> you know, I didn't realize he was a man now. You know, and second of all, heavy. You know. Not like, oh, he's fat, but it was just interesting to see him he's an older look guy. very different than what you, you know, necessarily remember him looking as, looking like. And when we see him, he looks like a thin kid. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Uh, And he had a very good role in it, too. Um, I cannot find him in the list here, but he basically plays in the, I guess, not the present day, but when he's being um, cross-examined, you know, uh, and being ridiculed on his life the guy that's like the prosecuting attorney mm. he did a very good job of being a fuck um where you're like my god he is lawyering very An hard absolute shitbird yeah being a cuck in a situation where you're not on trial here you yeah. know like, you sure make me feel like i'm on trial right oh yeah that was another big one that i was like yo man he's got a big role in this benny safty who is one of the safty brothers that made um uncut gems okay yeah, one of the directors. Yeah. He plays Teller, who's the guy that wanted to make the oh, hydrogen bomb. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that guy is a dick, too. He's a fucking douchebag. He's a bag. weirdo. He's, he's just strange. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, he's a dick. But, yeah, so they, 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 you know, there's a ton of people in it. Um, I saw somebody say this movie was just a parade of men's names, you know? <laughs> It's like there is an element of that where they just name a lot of people yeah. often. You know, and you're like, fuck, who are they talking about here? Um, but no, to, to get into the meat and taters on it. And um, the taters. And the taters. Don't forget them taters. Mm-mm. Don't you dare. Mash them. Mash them up. Boil them. Stick them in a stew. Mm. That's a Lord of the Rings reference. They make the bomb. Yeah. Um, that I want to talk about that scene. Of dropping the bomb? Of, well, of, or of testing, testing it. it. They did it all practically. They, like, made an actual atom bomb. They made a bomb. No. I mean, they did make a bomb, but not an atom bomb. They made a gasoline bomb because mm-hmm. it'll explode pretty heavy. Sure. And then they just added some incendiaries to give you the fireball and all that. But, like, they set off a massive gas bomb in the desert or gasoline bomb in the desert to make this thing. And it it shows. Yeah. I think. Um, and again. I saw it in IMAX on an actual, like, <laughs> full IMAX screen. And I was telling you, I said, when the bomb first goes off, you know, it's just the bright, you know, the kind of light that you got to wear. Heavy sunscreen, uh, it, you know, a welder's mask to even look at, you know, things like that. Um, you know, if you're close enough to it, you're just vaporized. Um, <laughs> when that bomb goes off and it just lights up, the, the, they it's do. Dead it's silent. dead silent. And so, you know, Dad and I went and saw it on IMAX. It's this massive screen. It's like arena-style seating where it's very vertical. So that mm-hmm. way there's nobody in front of you. Your yeah. vision's not occluded at all. <laughs> and the fucking person, or, you know, the light comes on. And my dad, I look over at my dad, and you can just see his face. <laughs> I mean, you know, they, they lit up the theater with this thing. And I was like. <sighs> I saw a meme of some guy. And the bomb went off. And it was silent. And he was. <laughs> and like, he was trying not to laugh. And he's. 
and you start hearing a couple couple guys laughing up in the yeah. front row. I'd be, I was like, I'd be pissed, pissed off because it's a, such a heavy like. Yeah, and my god, it and I know my debt, my ass would be fucking <laughs> laughing. Yeah, um, yeah, we were fortunate that both times. Well, I guess I was fortunate that both times I saw it. It was silent. Yeah, theater was yeah. silent. Um, and then, you know, it, it does do a thing of like you feel like it. It takes forever, and your heart is beating with them, you know. Yeah. And I did like the line from Oppenheimer when they're getting ready to set the thing off, and he says, "These things are hard on the heart," you know, because you know he's over there fucking stressing because yeah. all of this work and everything it has to work. It has to work. And if then it again, doesn't work, that, all that plutonium that they got is yeah, wasted, wasted, and um, and the time and money, mm-hmm. and you know. And then there is that thing of like, but do you want it to work? Yeah. And then, like my dad said, there is also the chance that when it goes off, it's going to burn it's gonna the atmosphere. ignite the atmosphere and destroy the world. Mm-hmm. Um, which that was a, a nice line, but I, I'll, we'll finish talking about the detonation. I say we. <laughs> I'm just telling you my experience on the detonation. Uh, yeah, and then when the fucking blast wave finally comes through, and it's just, it made me fucking jump out of my seat at the IMAX theater because it was just so loud. Um, and then you figure you and I both jumped, mm-hmm. you know, at the you know the, the standard theater, I guess. Really good sound design on that, and just to see their all of their reactions of like, fuck, this thing is, you know, it's like that. Do you laugh out of disbelief? Are right. you horrified? Yeah. What's you know? It's like yes, all you know, of like the above. What, you you completed what you're working for, yeah, so, so you want to cheer because it worked. Yeah, it's the same as like. But then you the also NASA, you know when they do a, a successful moon landing of a drone or things like that, and it's like yeah, we did it. You know. But then it's like they have that realization of like what that bomb's being used for. Yeah, and it's and like you're horrified. With yeah, it. what's it gonna do? Yeah. Right. So, tell us about the the whole burning the atmosphere thing and gonna go see Einstein. And, yeah, so which Einstein really didn't have a big part in no, this because he didn't. He wasn't involved with Manhattan Project, sure, right? But like when the there's very little uh, advertisement. I feel like for Oppenheimer <laughs> and Einstein comes up a few times. Yeah, and Einstein, but I guess he does play a pretty critical role in the story. I suppose. Yeah, you know, I mean, he's in very pivotal points. Yeah, but he goes up and he's uh, chilling at Princeton. Yeah, and. Um, Goes over and talks to or RDJ is like, oh, you know, this is where you stay and this is your well, commute. So I was thinking more when Oppenheimer is like, I got to go run these calculations by Einstein. Oh, yeah, and he basically just tells Einstein like, listen, looks like there's a chance. There's a chance that this thing is just gonna go off. It's not gonna stop. And he basically is just like, <sighs> he is well. Uh, <laughs> and I like, yeah, Oppenheimer asks him like, could you run these calculations? And he's like, dude, the one thing you and I got in common is that we do not like no. math. <laughs> you know, it's like, no, you don't want me doing the math because I'm not good at math. Right. He's like, you need to go have so and so do it, you know. And he's like, uh, have him do it. And he's like, and then what do I do if it, uh, you know, if it turns out that it's going to do it? And he's like, then you fucking don't make it. Yeah. And you share your research with the Germans that they don't do it either. Yeah. And he's like, all right. <laughs> I was afraid you'd say that, you know. <laughs> and luckily, it's near zero. When the math works yeah, out. near zero. And that, that's kind of an ongoing, like, chuckle mm-hmm. joke of, like, Jesus. Yeah, because there's a near zero chance. They that say the scientists gonna... find, like, a, what is it, a morbid joke? Is yeah, yeah gallows humor. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Matt, yeah, General Groves is like, are you telling me that there's a chance when this bomb goes off? It's just the world's, world's going to die? End. And he's like, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But it's near, like, zero, it's near zero, though. He's like, near zero. He's like, yeah. He's like, well, you know, what what would you like from theory alone? And he's like, zero would zero. be nice. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't really want this to be an option. I don't want that to be a possibility. Don't tell me we just spent two billion dollars to on destroy this, the to world. destroy the world. But 
Um, yeah, and so obviously it doesn't do that. It doesn't mm. ignite the atmosphere. But something I did like, though, about, well, mm. I thought it was interesting, I should say, um, is like when he does find out when they drop the bomb that it worked too well. Yeah, it worked. Like it, was, it, it worked it was better quote than quote unquote successful, yeah. right? But you know, better I, than they'd anticipated. And that's what it was, and I was like, yeah. "Holy shit!" So imagine, like, you know, because he go when he, he already goes kind to, of tempered his expectations of like, "All right, we're gonna go drop this bomb, and it's gonna kill I don't know thirty thousand people, yeah. right?" Which is a horrifying statistic to begin with. One bomb killing thirty thousand people, right? That's and then it's crazy. Like, well, no, it nearly killed a hundred thousand people in the first city. Yeah. You know, was it Hiroshima first? And mm-hmm. the first was it the first. No, it wasn't the first day, but just like overall. Oh yeah, well then yeah, well then when you get into and over the year, it's like two hundred thousand between the people. Yeah, you've got the radiation sickness, injury, things like that. Because one of the things about the bombs is like when they went off, the level of destruction made it so that how do first responders respond? Like you can't, you can't, you just you can't. Know, it's the gone. hospitals almost, are gone. Almost like I'm going to compare them here, like Chernobyl. Like right, with yeah. all that radiation, yeah, what it's are you just like to do with they that? start picking it up and their hands are just melting. Yeah. And, and so it's that thing of like, you know, and the type of trauma that you're like physical trauma mm-hmm. that you're put up against is like, how do you fix this? And then, I, like I said, when the hospitals have just been leveled, Where do you what go? do you do? So the, you know, that just stacks the casualties of like people who potentially could have been saved with proper medical attention had no access to proper medical attention or the people who let's say weren't affected by the blast per se who were like then underground get, yeah get irradiated get up, and then yeah you just get sick over there and die yeah and, and so yeah it's just the the level of of death that it caused and that does play a role mm. um where uh, you know they, they do drop the atom bombs and um Oppenheimer gets called in to meet the president, and he's going to meet with Truman because he has concerns about an arms race with Russia. Yes. Um, and so he's going to be like, we need to, while we have the bombs, we need to use the bombs as a way to say, hey, let's all not do this, yeah. right? Because his whole mantra that he gives to the other scientists when they're like, we shouldn't use these because Germany's out of the war. And that was the point of building these was to use them on Hitler. And he's like, well, we kind of have to use these bombs. So that way people see how awful they are, and then we'll never use them again. Yeah. Right? And um, and then the hard part with that theory is, like, you can see his point, and you can't say he's wrong because we haven't used him again. But you don't but you want, don't you don't want, want say, that to be right. Yeah, You don't exactly. want that that's to be the right awful, answer. Like, that's a very pragmatic but cold, mm-hmm. um, you know, where it's like, you know, their sacrifice is worth, you know, you're like, is it? No, you know, it can't be right. And it's that very strange moral, like, yeah. moral dilemma. Um, and so, yeah, he goes to Truman and uh, he tells Truman, tells Truman like, like, I feel like I've got blood on my hands. And Truman and he fucking gives him like a little hanky and like his, sarcastically yeah. is like, oh, boo hoo. Yeah, especially like, here you go. Fucking. And he's like, you've got fucking blood on your hands. And he says something to the effect of like the people in Hiroshima and Nagasaki, which is how he <laughs> says Nagasaki. Aren't cursing the man who made the bomb. No, they're, they're cursing, cursing who the dropped man who it. dropped it. And he goes, I dropped it. He's like, you haven't got half the blood on your hands as I do. You know, and when he basically is like, shit, you know, get out of here, you know. Don't let uh, that cry be back in my yeah, office. Yeah, I don't want that cry be back in my office. And like I was telling you, there's like four different ways that that story went. And allegedly, one of the ways that it went was he said something effective. Um, don't let that fucking cry be back in my office. Uh, you know. He, he, how can he say he's got blood on my hand on his hands? You know, I've got blood on my hands, uh, but you don't see me walking around belly aching about it. Yeah. You know, and it's like, yeah, that is a, that is a, not a fair point, but it's, you can see where Truman's coming through yeah. of like, he's got guilt too, but yeah. he's still got to keep, 
pushing doing on doing his job. He's still yeah. the president, you know. When yeah, so when they find out that the bombs were successful, air quotes, you know, successful in in what they were designed to do, right? And he's really kind of struggling, and he's got to go, like, give a speech. They want him to. You know, yeah, it was his project. It was a successful project, and all of the people that were here to work on it want you to talk. And there is that weird like. Or like there's a there's a, a moral or not a moral, but like I guess everybody's kind of like, yeah, we stuck it to him, you yeah. know, because there is that animosity from World War Two of like the you know, the war in the Pacific was especially hard uh, where, you know, troops really did not like the Japanese. Um, and so there is that that weird animosity of like, I'm glad this happened. Right. Seems to be some of the consensus. And like, like you said, they're waving American flags and mm-hmm. cheering and stomping their feet. And it's like, yeah, but. 70,000 people just died. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot of people that, you know, we killed is the way it it feels, right? And um, they did a very good job of showing a, what I would describe as a panic attack. um, Yeah, well, he's giving a speech. Yeah, in an interesting, different way than you kind of see panic attacks, you know, where, like, he managed to keep giving his speech, you know what I mean? And But inside, he's panicking, you know. The room around him is kind of shaking. Shaking. Um, the the very interesting thing that you and I both were like, wow, that was cool, was like that the people stopped making noise. But like you could shuffling. see them. But yeah, yeah, exactly. You could still hear them like... Like stand up and like yeah, you know, shuffle around. Seat, you could hear the creaking from the bleachers. Yeah. And it was a very disorienting thing of like, like why oh, is this that? isn't normal. Yeah. And he's basically having like a hallucination of the bomb going off mm. in, you know, like in the near room. them. Yeah, or in the room. When the noise cuts out of the crowd, everybody's, you know, cheering and screaming. And then there's just a blood curdling, like fear or yeah. pain scream from a, it sounds like a woman. Mm-hmm. And then just all the audio cuts out of the voices and he's just looking at all these people and it's got a very tight, you know, Killian Murphy did a very good job of like face acting. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? Of like just looking horrified, horrified but trying to keep his, trying to keep his shit, shit together. together, you know, and give this speech. And you see that, and that woman like, who's got like the skin peeling off of her face. Yeah. Where like the bombs going off mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, yeah, her, her skin's peeling away and then the flash gets really big and then everybody's just gone for a second. And then the boom of the wave mm-hmm. was him kind of coming back to <laughs> lucidity and everybody's grabbing him and like, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. Like, as long as we could have used on the Germans. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's something. Like, yeah. Yeah. I just wish that, you know, we could have used him on Hitler or something like that. And it's like, yeah, that's you know? what and it's like, whew, he's having a fucking... And he's starting to walk out and he thinks he steps in just a corpse. A, a charred corpse, mm-hmm. yeah. And you're like, Jesus. And then, yeah, why was that guy puking outside? Uh, I, I mean, he was probably feeling similar to... Oh, you think? Yeah, I mean, uh, that that's one of the quotes from Oppenheimer where he talks about, you know, that's where the famous quote of Oppenheimer's is. is um, he says that, you know, he was reminded of the, um, the Hindu scripture where, you know, uh, the, I can't think of which God... Um, Prometheus. Uh, no, uh, that's not Hindu. Uh, uh, or, yeah. You know, takes on his multi-armed form and says, I am become death, destroyer of worlds. Mm. And he said that's what was going through his head when he saw the bomb go off. But he says that, you know, some people laughed, some people cried, um, you know, some people just were stunned, you know. And it's that thing of just, yeah, everybody's got a reaction to mm. this. And that guy probably was feeling kind of sick about it where he's like, it's on your guys' hands. Yeah, that's, you did that. Yeah. yeah, and then you figure there was the one guy that's just uncontrollably crying and being held, you know, outside of the room. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and it's like, well, and you've got to be the guy uh, that is known as the father of the atomic bomb, mm-hmm. you know. And so that's not a, a heavy title to carry when what the look what it did. But uh, I really enjoyed the 
the second after the bomb went off, you know, the so I guess like the the last third of the film, I guess, yeah. last hour, because that's when it just gets into almost like I don't want to say political drama, but that's probably the best way to put it. Yeah, uh, is like the politics between Strauss and Oppenheimer mm-hmm. of like Oppenheimer was on the advisory committee for the Atomic Energy Commission. And so part of his role is to like advise the president of yeah. like what we should do with atomic powers and things like that. And basically we've got the monopoly on bombs, you know, so how do we use them? And uh, then with well, a first catalytic moment is the Russians getting the bomb. Yeah. You know, and it's like, okay, well now, now we live in a world where Cause they thought be. they were years in front of them and they got, they detected a, a bomb a going off and, and there keeps being the accusation of, a spy a at spy. Los Alamos and Oppenheimer. Oh, like, which no, opens no, no, up a whole wasn't. other can of worms that we haven't talked about yet of, of, of the fact that Oppenheimer was in fact uh, a communist, a communist. Well, a communist sympathizer at least. Yeah. But a very left uh, view of, of thinking politically. Yeah. Um, and his wife was, of, yeah, his fiance was a, was a staunch communist. His lover. His, yeah. His, his wife herself, Emily Blunt's character mm-hmm. was used to be a communist uh, before she left the party. And so, yeah, it's, that's part of the issue is like, you know, after the war ends, you know, the Red Scare starts and you've got McCarthyism where they're just pointing at somebody. It's the witch trials, essentially, mm-hmm. if that guy's a communist and you've got the FBI showing up at your house yeah. and kidnapping you, essentially taking you into detainment for questioning because you're a, a suspected communist. And so you've got a man who worked on the atomic bomb who they think could be a commie. A commie. You know, he could be a Soviet spy. You know, and so that's why he's air quotes on trial. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of it starts uh, because Strauss had felt uh, a slight by Oppenheimer. And that was the kind of the funny thing to me of like the two conflicts of the movie are like the, obviously the giant conflict of making an atomic bomb and ending the war. And then the minor conflict of like two dudes having a feud, basically. Yeah. And because uh, he embarrassed him. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So first of all, Strauss tries to get Oppenheimer to work at Princeton. Then, and, and I did like that. It looks like Oppenheimer ends up taking that job. Yeah. Because he's in that house. <clears throat> but he wants to introduce him to uh, Einstein, and he's like, "Oh, I've met him." Yeah. yeah. And so he goes out and is talking to Einstein by the lake, and Strauss comes out to see him, and I'll, you know, he's like Albert, you know, and Einstein kind of just walks right past him with just like looking down, mm-hmm. and he's like, "What the hell did you say to him?" You know, he didn't even look at me. And Oppenheimer's basically like, "Oh, he's fine. Yeah, he's, he'll be fine." And so Strauss is convinced that Oppenheimer's like turned the scientific community against him. <laughs> and then there was some hearing where they were going to talk about like sending Iso- isotopes to like uh, you know another country. Yeah, and Strauss had recommended against it, and Oppenheimer kind of like made jokes about the statements Strauss had made mm-hmm. and basically like the crowd kind of laughs and it feels like it's at Strauss's expense as far as he's concerned. Sure. You know, when they might've just been laughing at what, what Oppenheimer said. said, you know? And so he took, <laughs> he took that personally, you know, personally, I, I wouldn't, wouldn't take that. that. And so yeah, he basically goes on like, I'm going to start this witch hunt uh, on, uh, on old Oppenheimer and, uh, you know, give somebody access to his FBI, to his security file. And basically has them write up a scathing accusation and send it to J. Edgar Hoover, who was like, he was the director of the FBI. Mm. And he was a huge, like, um, paranoia uh, of communism thing. And Is that the guy, the military guy who was talking to? No, uh, we never see Hoover. Um, but J. Edgar Hoover in history was like 
basically he start he turned the FBI into like the American Gestapo of like the oh, secret police. Of, yeah. If you were a suspected communist, Hoover would do everything in his power to come to your house and get you with the FBI. Um, and, and so for that guy to get word that Oppenheimer might be a commie and is a Soviet spy, pfft, not on my watch, <laughs> you know, not, uh, and, uh, Oppenheimer kind of gets shit on Hard. like, like the whole thing's been rigged against him, mm-hmm. um, by Strauss. And it all kind of comes to a head when just a parade of his friends come through and do their best to defend him. Some of them don't, you know, some of them Teller. say Teller kind of turns his back on him and then shakes his hand on the way out. And I really liked Emily Blunt's character in that last hour. Yeah. Of her being like, what the fuck is happening here? Yeah. Why, why are, are you, we just kind of laying down just and, taking and taking this? Yeah. You need to like fucking fight. You know, I know it's Strauss. You know, it's Strauss. You yeah. know, he's kind of like, and it's that martyr thing of like, well, I'll just let this happen and it'll all work out in the end right and i think there's the guilt of like i have this coming i deserve this yeah Yeah. um and so when they finally put her there to testify on you know she fucking puts the heat on she's kind of nervous at first and is is stumbling and then she kind of like i I think she gets mad yeah and that's what it's like you know what i'm gonna fight yeah uh and her and i wish i could think let me find him in the list here but the the actor that plays the the lawyer, they have a really good back and forth, back and forth going. And she, and she's lighting his she, ass yeah, up. She gets his ass. She even starts to like counter lawyer him a little mm-hmm. bit where she's like, you know, he's like, do you understand the question? She goes, I understand I, the question. I just don't like how it's being I don't phrased. like your phrasing. Your phrasing's wrong, you know? And he's kind of, <laughs> and I like when she's, t- you know, kind of mixing up his notes for him where she's like, you know, when I left the communist party 16 years ago, no, 17, 17. no, no, 18. it was 18. Sorry. Yeah. He's, Looking at her like, what the fuck? Yeah, it's been two decades, dude. Yeah, yeah I'm not, I'm not a cop. Yeah, I can't remember well. Yeah, I yeah. can't remember it right because it was almost twenty years ago. Um, and she kind of starts to turn the room a little bit. One of the three board members is like, kind of like the older guy. <laughs> yeah, the older guy is kind of like, <laughs> yep, I couldn't keep them separate either, you yeah. know. And uh, while this is happening, it's intercut with Strauss's, you know, Senate hearings, mm-hmm. and Rami Malek plays a scientist named Hill who's being brought into kind of like they actually requested him come in yeah. to try and save Strauss's image, Ash. you know, and Strauss basically is just like, yeah, I wouldn't fucking, I don't like Strauss. I'm here to urge you against, you know, as far as I'm concerned, he should have no place in government. Mm-hmm. And they're like, Oh, are you referring to this, this or this? And he's like, no, 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 no. I'm referring to the way that he vindictively like set out basically on a vendetta to publicly humiliate shame and discredit Robert Oppenheimer. And they're like, the it's kind of like, and he's listing off like he basically somehow has inside knowledge. Yeah, which I'm curious on how, how he, he knew got that because he nails it to a T that mm-hmm. like, like this is what he did. This is exactly what he did. That this board that he had nothing in putting together had a prosecuting attorney who was there definitely acting in a prosecution mm-hmm. that was specifically appointed by Strauss. And the audience is like, Jesus Christ, you know. <laughs> And I was like, ooh. And so it's nice to have like that bombshell moment happening of like seeing Strauss lose at the same time as you're having this like really heated back and forth with, uh, you know, Mrs. Oppenheimer and the mm-hmm. lawyer. Um, and then, you know, the finality of it is even though it went really well for Oppenheimer there at the end, his wife doing that, it was, you know, the game yeah. was game was rigged against him from the start and he doesn't get his security clearance back. No. And so he has to deal with that. Mm-hmm. And then Strauss is waiting on, you know, he's like, you know, waiting on that approval, waiting on that approval. And, um, I can't think of the character's name. I don't know if we ever hear his name. No, but but it's like his lawyer. Yeah. Alden Ironreich, who actually played, um, solo 
in the mm-hmm. solo movie. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. He is like, ah, I mean, it's going to be tight, but I think we've got the yeah. votes to squeak by, you know. And uh, so he comes back later, and he's like, you know. And as soon as he finds out, like that he he did rig it, he kind of turns on him. He hates he, him. Yeah, he doesn't like, like him. Yeah, like, oh. I don't like you. Yeah. Um, he comes back and he's like, uh, "All right, is it official?" And then he goes, "Well, there were some holdouts." And Strauss kind of turns his head and looks at him. And he goes, "I've been denied." Who are the holdouts? You know. And there was kind of like a an odd like name droppy moment. It felt oh, it felt like it was meant to be dramatic. I guess. Yeah. Of like, <laughs> he was like, "Who were the holdouts?" And he's like, "Well, there was three of them, and they were kind of led by." Uh, a junior senator from uh, Massachusetts. Mm. And he's like, what was his name? And he's like, uh, John F. Kennedy. And you know, it was supposed to, it felt like it was supposed to be like a, Oh, yeah, it felt like it was supposed to be like, you know, them naming Dr. Strange you yeah. know, in, in, in winter soldier, you know, Stephen Strange. And you're like, oh, that's Dr. Strange. Oh, you know? Yo, that guy becomes the president. You know what I mean? Like, like you don't know one of the most famous presidents. Yeah. But, um, which we did make a joke about that at the theater. That I he put his wife through a lobotomy. Not his wife. And, and or no. it was his... Uh, and he didn't. His well, father no. put his younger sister through... Or older sister through a lobotomy yeah. because she was mentally handicapped. Yeah. Uh, and then but they, they turned just, into a vegetable. Yeah. And then they just kind of kept Kennedy. that shit on the hush. Yep. And she died, I think, in a, a, a home for... Or not a home, but you know, an asylum, essentially. Mm-hmm. That's heartbreaking. Yeah. That fucking I can't sucks. talk about Rosemary Kennedy. I get very sad and angry. Oh. Um, what happened, though? Yeah, it did. So, <laughs> the, like, like that, it upsets me. I'll get very angry. Um, a little ice pick? Yeah. Right well, out, right, and so, right like, the, the, reason, the reason she had brain damage that made her, you know, quote-unquote slow, was, was how they phrase it, is because she fucking, at the time when she was born... Mom went into labor, and she has a midwife there with her. Mm-hmm. And the midwife like refused to deliver the baby because the doctor wasn't there yet, and made Mrs. Kennedy basically like hold her legs shut. And Rosemary was trapped in the birth canal yeah. for like an hour. Oh my god! And so by the time she's born, she's had massive brain damage. Yeah. And you know the sad part is that like Rosemary, from all accounts, was like a sweet girl. She was smart. She liked to read. You know, she was just different. You know, you could tell that she yeah. had a, a you know some some disability. But all in all, she was a happy girl. And then dad's like, I'll fix her. Let's do a lobotomy. And then it didn't fix anything. It just turned her into a vegetable. Mm-hmm. You know, as awful as that term sounds. That's what, I mean, she was a, a shell. She was just in, inside her head. And, uh, and then they're like, oh, well, <laughs> I don't want to play with you anymore. And just put her in an asylum. The loony bin, yeah. Like, that's actual, that's real life. That that happened. Like, yeah. that seems like something that should be in a movie. Like, something yeah. that's like, oh, that can't be real. No, that happened. That's real. Yeah. And that family, because they had power and money. Got to be in all forms of government and continue to exist. Mm-hmm. To this day, they're running for president. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can't give fucking can't shake them. They're like a bad penny. Mm. <laughs> but anyway, sorry. Wrapping back got, up. Yeah, on it. we got. I got a little off there. Um, like more, like hundreds and hundreds of lobotomies happened. Oh yeah, yeah. If you had um, depression, yeah, you'd get a lobotomy. Yeah, if you, you had you, too bad of a period cramp, you know, you know, it'll fix you. We'll just. Turn the front part of your brain into mush, mm-hmm. and then you'll be much easier to deal with. Take an ice pick and a hammer mm-hmm. right in your tear duct. Yeah. Yep. Anyways, so yeah, John F. Kennedy voted no. I like and, getting uh, you heated up. Huh? I like getting you heated up. <laughs> get get it's me passionate about yeah, shit. It's, it's interesting to see it. Um, so, yeah, Strauss is like, it has a really good, like, 
meltdown freak out mm-hmm. where he's like yanking this fucking tie off and he's like this is goddamn horse shit you know and is you know he's really acting like you were like oh it's weird to hear him swear like saying fuck you yeah because you, know, you don't you know robert Downey jr's yeah, been in disney movies like, for right. the last two decades almost <laughs> and um i really like when he's like you know i knew he didn't like me ever since you know but i'm sorry by the lake i told you i told you he turned the whole scientific community against me and uh alden ironreich's like, like well since uh nobody, nobody really knows what they said we can't confirm that that's even true. Maybe they weren't talking about you. Yeah, maybe, maybe they, they were talking about something more important. And that's kind of like a fuck you. you know, yeah. You're not that important. You're not that important. And, and like he, he looks at him and then opens, opens up the, the door, door with like, all the power. Yeah, all the camera there. Yeah. So it's like, you got to be on now. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, and he does. Strauss kind of smiles and walks out and is looking at Ironreich like, <laughs> you son of a bitch, you know. And then he has to go face the press and swallow his pride. And it's a public humiliation. Again. Again. Yeah. And it's that his own undoing, you mm-hmm. know. Self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. And uh, and then I love it because we get a very powerful ending um, yeah. where it shows us in color. So, you know, it's Oppenheimer's perspective of that conversation by the pond with, mm-hmm. uh, with Einstein. Einstein kind of is talking to him about like, Einstein, sorry, there's two conversations they have. One is when Oppenheimer's getting ready to go through this trial thing, and Einstein comes to him and is basically like, you know, why are you sticking up, like, putting up with this shit? I would just leave, you know. I, I, you know, Hitler told me that, like, you know, basically I didn't matter, and I left, you know. And he's like, yeah, but I I love this country, you know, this is, I, I, I want to yeah. improve it, you know. And he's like, well, then, basically I would tell it to go to hell, you know, you need to turn your back on it a little bit he, he says what's going to happen basically is uh you're going to get punished for what you've done they'll call you names they'll you know ostracize you and then eventually they'll uh welcome you back pat you on the back shake your hand thank you uh but none of it's for you and none of it's for you yeah you it's know the implication being yeah it's it's so uh, they can feel good about themselves again once they realize what they've done to you mm. right and uh and while they're saying that you get to see LBJ, so you're up into 64, 65, 66, somewhere in there. LBJ bestowing him with, uh, whether it be a, a Medal of Freedom or, or what, I'm not sure. Yeah, it looks like a, a, an, an award. He's got a plaque. Yeah. And, you know, all these physicists are there to shake his hand. And, uh, you know, there are some of his friends. And a few of them are ones that turned, his turned back. their back on him. And, and so it is that self-fulfilling or that, you know, that fulfillment of that that statement. Yeah, like, that, yeah. Yeah, they did. Einstein they all right. welcomed him back. And, and, and you know that it's all hollow. Yeah, it's none for of them, them. care. And Emily Blunt won't shake Teller's she hand. She didn't shake Teller's hand, yeah. Mm-hmm. And she's got just the biggest, like, you piece of shit look yeah. on her face and then turns and smiles at somebody else, you know? And you're like, yeah, get him. And then we do find out what he says to Einstein. Yeah, what the conversation was where uh, he goes and is talking to Einstein. And he's there's been this ongoing motif of, like, water on the floor where he's, like, they, they do this thing of almost hallucinating where yeah. he's he sees water on the floor and, like, the meeting when the bombs went off, uh, the the Russian bomb went off, and uh, he's been hearing the rumbling of the bleacher, you know, the feet on the bleacher. And this is where we get to see the water on the pond where it's starting to sprinkle rain, and you see all the water droplets, and mm-hmm. he says, Einstein, <laughs> he says, Albert, I uh, I came to you back before we built the bomb, and remember we said uh, there, you know, we had calculations that showed that we might start a chain reaction that would destroy the world. And Oppenheimer's base, or Einstein's like, I remember it well. What of it? <laughs> yeah. You know, because I think I started he goes, it. He goes, I believe we did. And uh, then he just kind of like, yeah, Albert's like, oh, Einstein's like, Jesus, why would you say that? And, uh, you know, Oppie's kind of like, 
zooming out, looking at the pond where he's got those, you know, those big piercing eyes, you mm-hmm. know, and you see um, him kind of, I don't, it's not a hallucination, but it's him envisioning. Um, and I wanted to talk about this. I was telling Morgan, you know, so you see him looking up at like all these uh, intercontinental ballistic missiles. He's looking up at ICBMs mm-hmm. and there's a line of them, you know, and then he's he pictures himself in a plane at night and seeing missiles fly over his head. And then you see like missiles piercing the clouds and then it just kind of shows a, a, the globe yeah. and just fire. And you see the bombs going off and engulfing the planet. And then as the flames grow, it kind of cross fades with Oppenheimer's face just staring off into the distance. And it's kind of the music spikes, spikes, spikes. And it's just like Oppenheimer. And you're like, fuck. Like I had goosebumps. I just seeing the earth engulfed in nuclear apocalypse. And, you know, it's that feeling of like, I mean, that seems very real. It could happen. Yeah. yeah I mean, it, it, especially right now. Yeah. And it's that thing of like the possibility never went away. Mm-mm. Yeah. Cause um, after that you had like, like you were saying the uh, hydrogen bomb mm-hmm. and you've got missiles now, you know, you've got rockets. We can fire. We've made as many as we could. So that way now, even if we die, we can still send off the missiles, you know, and it's just that escalation thing of like, once we made that, you know, you did, you don't unmake it, right? you know? And so now we just always will live with that threat of nuclear annihilation. And most people don't consider it anymore. You know, kind of, you know, that era of like our parents or, you know, depending on how old you are, your grandparents lived through an era of like duck and cover drills at school and things like that, where there was a constant fear of the bombs going off. And then after the Soviet Union collapsed in 89, everybody kind of was like, oh, well, we don't have to worry about it anymore. Yeah, we do. Yeah, they still exist. It's not with Russia per se, but now, yeah, but it's now like, it seems like it, it could is. be Russia, yeah. But I mean, I also think it hit a point. <clears throat> now this is going to be a little tinfoil hatty. Okay. Yeah. But I do also think like the government and I do think the government plays a big role in like controlling what we see on like social media and like sure. the news and stuff like that. Duck and cover never worked, right? And we No, I mean, yeah, it's right. not going to save you from a bomb. And so the government's like well, if this does happen, we're just not going to tell you because, right. you know, that's just going to cause chaos, which potentially makes us lose control. Right. And the government wants to keep that. Well, I don't know, because you figure when there was the false alarm of a Hawaii, over Hawaii, maybe 10 years ago, I think it could mm-hmm. be less. I mean, people got alert, a push alert on their phone, like an Amber well, Jim alert. Carrey was in Hawaii and he yeah. has a whole thing of coming talking out and about, talking yeah. about it. But, you know, so, I mean, I mean, I mean, you don't have much notice anyhow. You know, it's like what I mean? not, not like it would matter. Yeah. And that's the really scary part is like, we wouldn't know until, I mean, it's too late. What do yeah. you do? You know? And so that, that raises different like philosophical questions of like, well then do you worry about it? Mm. You know what I mean? Cause worrying about it doesn't make you more prepared for it. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, unless you become a prepper. Well, even then, well, are you going to survive a nuclear fallout and annihilation? I nah, that probably could. not. I could. We, we talked about this. <laughs> I could, but, um, no. So for me, the very existential moment, I talked about my dad and I went to the air force museum mm-hmm. and at the air force museum, they have decommissioned ICBMs. And so I had a moment watching Oppenheimer with you on the same day that I went to the air force museum where my dad and I are in the, in the hangar and it's a, a very tall silo style. And I was looking up the length of a Minuteman, which is the current ICBMs that we use. And you know, you're like, Jesus, look how big it is. And that's a very similar perspective. You know, Oppenheimer's looking up at them. And I was like, my, I've seen one of those in person today. And it was very like, 
it made me anxious because mm-hmm. it was like I could very, very well attach myself to like the reality of these yeah. things existing. It's like earlier today, I could have touched one. And like, we just have those shits in all kinds of silos all over the world ready to just go at our disposal. Yeah. We know somebody whose job it is to, yeah, you know, maintain to... the missiles and update their targets daily. Mm-hmm. Oh, all right. We got to chill out. We got to chill out. You know, and it's, fucking, so it's that you're scaring me. Yeah. And so it is it's that thing of like, it really brought it home of like, it, it's still a threat, you know? And and it's just a threat that we, we and don't I have about to go anymore. to work every day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and like that's, that's yeah, that's what and I th- again, like again, and I, I it's going to be super tinfoil hatty. Uh-huh. I think that's why the government doesn't want to tell us nothing for it because it's like because if we all get to start thinking about it, and then you and me who are already above the curve just start thinking, <laughs> you know what? Ahead of the curve. Yeah, I'm not crazy. I'm just ahead of the curve. Just ahead of the curve. But we start going, I'm just not going to fucking go to work because yeah. what's the point? What's the point anymore? Well, and well, and it's like the, the student loan thing where they're like, yeah, you're going to pay that shit back. And then I've seen a bunch of people going like, what if we didn't? You know, if enough of us just don't. Yeah. Oops. Oops. I forgot. Yeah. Missed my payments, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So not that we're trying to like, we're not trying to start a revolution. Two twelve. Dude, we were worried about a three hour one. I mean, we still got to do cryptid. We're, we're fine. All right. We were fully prepared for it to be a three-hour episode. <clears throat> so. What, what you been thinking about, Chris? I think what you meant to say is, welcome back to Chris's Cryptid Corner. So, I actually wanted to talk about this, because uh, it's roughly during the same time frame. Uh, okay. Like of, the 40s. Yeah, for okay. Oppenheimer. Yeah. But I wanted to talk about Unit 731. Okay. Uh, which was in Japan, and it was. Oh, yeah. This was like their um, Joseph Mangle. Mm-hmm. Type of tests. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to talk about that? Does that I don't seem know a little? That we should because you know we're like we talked about a movie where they dropped the atom bomb on the Japanese, and then you're like, look how mad, how bad the Japanese were. I mean, but I'm not saying we all got dirt. You know, like <laughs> I mean, Germany's during, got dirt. America's got during, dirt. During World War, still has dirt. The filthiest right now. You kidding me? Can they? We're rolling. This place fucking rich. Yeah. During World War II, you know what we did to the Japanese? Yeah. Put them. Put them in camps in the middle of the desert just because they were Japanese. Yeah. What are you doing all the way out here in Colorado? You what? Did you ever read that book? There's a book called Farewell to Manzanar. Yeah. Yeah. We. I remember reading that. I think I was in middle school. Yeah. Which I remember reading this, and I was like, "What? This is heavy." <laughs> like yeah, they never the taught me about fuck? this. Um, well, maybe we won't. Talk side about note: um, I can't think of his name. I just completely lost it. George Takai, who played Sulu yeah. in Star Trek, he has a graphic novel that he wrote about his time, and he he was in an, an internment camp. Oh, word! Um, and I would, I think, I would like to read that. That'd be cool. Well, I won't, I won't touch. You know, 731, then. Yeah. Maybe that's in bad taste. I didn't yeah. think about it like that. I was just yeah. like, oh, it happened to be in the same time. Right, it's yeah. real. And I was like, yeah. that's, that'd be cool. Yeah. So maybe for next next few episodes later, I'll bring yeah. this back up. But I'll just yeah. save it in the pocket. Yeah, keep that one in the pocket. But I will say, just uh, from yeah, what you've been thinking about. stuff I have been thinking about outside of that, there's apparently a big UFO thing going on in Virginia okay. right now. Okay. Uh, I don't know too much about it, but I did see one article um, that they had... People have found, you know, multiple people made statements to the police station of uh, finding aliens. Okay. And the government kind of came out and was like, nah, no, that's not real. Yeah. And I was like, ooh. That's what they want you to think. That's what they want you to think. Um, I've also been thinking, I just don't think I can do it anymore, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do it for real. This time. I'm really going to do it this time. <laughs> I'm really going to do it this time. 
<laughs> no. Um, <laughs> I, I've, I really missed cinema. Yeah. And that's something like being able to like go to Oppenheimer and then see or see Barbie, then Oppenheimer the next yeah. day and like going by myself. It did suck for like a bit. Yeah. But there there was like a this is nice. Yeah. Like it's, I mean, just, it's just it's just me, my thoughts and, and the I movie. Can, yeah. And just the movie. And it yeah. felt very connected, mm-hmm. I suppose, in a way. Yeah. I mean, it's you're all facing the same direction, having the same experience. Yeah, and that really got me thinking. It's, in, it's intimate. Without yeah, and being... that's what I, I want to talk about is yeah. because, like, I'm you know, I'm also very big into like music. Like, yeah. I'm I'm constantly the same way. Yeah, I'm constantly playing music. And a couple of weeks ago, my girlfriend and I were talking. And I was just saying, like, I cry at music a lot. Yeah, and I was like, I don't know why. And yeah. I was like, it does that kind of connecting the barbies like does yeah. that make me a pussy of a man like do you know do you look at me yeah, different right, because yeah. of that yeah and she was like no yeah, no, no. And yeah, she, sure did. <laughs> she yeah. goes like, i don't think quivering. we could do this anymore <laughs> no but she's like no not at all but like i got to thinking about it and i think i can connect it to the movie yeah of like there is just that deeper connection with music and kind of how i feel with cinema now of yeah. like Whenever there is like a sad song playing or yeah. something like I'm able to kind of feel that emotion, yeah. maybe more so than others, you yeah. know, of like, because like I get a lot of shit from a lot of my friends of like, we'll be like listening to, I don't know, Aerosmith or whatever, yeah, whatever yeah, it, just, it, yeah, it could yeah. be anything. Yeah. But then a sad song will come on and I won't skip it. Yeah. I'll say, let's listen to it. Yeah. And they're like, I don't want to listen to this. Yeah. And then you'll know, skip it. Yeah. I, I've always been like so troubled of like, why? why? Yeah. Like, why? It's a good song. Yeah. And now it kind of like, maybe it's that connection thing of like, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm stronger. Yeah. I'm better. Yeah, right. Yeah. I'm, I'm a man. I don't, I don't feel sad. They're right. But like, yeah. it was just like feeling that connection between music, and, but connecting it now to like cinema of being able to go to the movies, sit down like by myself and just thoroughly enjoy the movie you know and just have that connection yeah and i don't know and there isn't like you know i was gonna i I thought you might go in another direction but i i mentioned concerts you know yeah give me the same way of like we're all here i've only been like oh well hold on now i went to yeah yeah you've been to a handful four four i've been to four concerts but where you know depending on your your relationship to the music itself. Two of them this year. And then depending on how the, you know, the tone of things and there can be, and I, I want to find it and show it and send it to you. I think you would appreciate it. There was an article I was reading that was talking about the similarities in like the psychology behind a group of people having an emotional experience at a concert and a group of people at worship, like a church. Mm -hmm. And that it fulfills some of the same parts of the brain. Of like community. I mean, you figure church, they sing hymns. Yeah. You know, and and there's a thing that uh, singing in unison, all doing the same thing satisfies an, like a lizard part of our brain, like an animal part of our brain of like, we're together. We're working in unison. We're cooperating, you know, and it's one of the things that humans do well, you know, I mean, it's what society is. Ultimately, everyone has the underlining thought of we want to all be in unison. I don't want to work together. A a sane person doesn't think I want to watch the world burn. Yeah, I want to be alone. I want us to fall apart. I want us to be separate. We are very codependent species. And so, I mean, you know, church, any any religion or church is we're all here to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. We're all facing the same way in the pews listening to the the person speak lead us through worship lead us through and concert and then a concert is the same thing the same thing yeah may not be worshiping god but it's just right yeah you're all appreciating something greater than yourself Mm. right yeah and so i thought that was a very interesting comparison of like how it can 
you know, do the same things to the brain. Yeah. Um, and maybe cinema could be the same way, depending on how powerful the message is. I think of like a group of people watching like, um, not to tie back to religion, but like Passion of the Christ. You know, a lot of people went and saw that. And now granted, because it's tied to their faith, they had a more emotional connection to it. But I guess sure. if the film still does its job, yeah, then, they, you you know, know, then it does its job. And so you've got a group of people all facing the same way, experiencing the same way together. And then it's triggering emotions in you that you might all be sharing an emotional moment, like the young lady sitting next to me at Barbie saying, mm-hmm. dude, are you fucking crying too? Like, uh, this is like what, you know, Morgan's crying. Morgan's not a movie crier. No, she's cold. It, it she's takes, a cold hearted bitch. It takes bitch. a lot for her to cry in a movie. <laughs> she's a, she's a stone cold bitch. Yeah, she's and, uh, cold, man. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so she's crying. I'm tearing up. The two young ladies next to me are crying. I was tearing up at Barbie. You know, yeah. And, and it is, it's a strange thing of like, we're all doing this together. Together. Yeah. Which almost, amplifies it yeah i i I, you know i i think because like you're you're going through this it's it's um i'm not unique yeah and i'm not alone and both of those things is so comforting yeah because like yeah because everybody wants to be unique but nobody wants to be alone yeah and so it's like I, i am unique but in just in my own ways yeah and that's what i admire about it but you know like you said just Having not being alone in that sense yeah. of someone can relate to me, maybe not the exact same way, right? Yeah, but it's but impacting they can, them in a similar way. Yeah, you know that just really like I'm crying. I notice like you know when we cry, when we're crying at everything, everything ever all at once. once. It, it could have been completely different for both of us, but the yeah. fact that we were both there crying with each other in yeah. that moment, yeah. was just such a oh wow. I'm not alone during yeah. this, which kind of yeah. like amplifies those tears because like yeah. me hearing you <laughs> and then me just. <laughs> Yeah, it makes you go like, okay, yeah. It's okay I to cry. should be crying. Yeah. It's okay, yeah. Which, tying it back to Barbie, I think, yeah. goes to society of like what A permission are, to cry. Yeah, what yeah. we are taught as permission growing to up. feel. I mean, you figure, uh, I saw somebody talk about that, that Ken, when he's crying because Barbie's, as far and as he's, he's concerned, he, rejects him, he runs away to hide and is like, no, I don't I'm, want you to I'm see fine. me like this. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm fine. fine. And she kind of is like, it's okay. Like, I was know? crying today. And then, yeah, it, it's kind of nice, isn't it? You know? And then he kind of like cries on her. You know, and it's like that he, she gave him permission to be vulnerable, vulnerable in front of her, you know, and it's like, oh man, you know, <laughs> wait a minute. What's going on here, right Barbie? No. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> My tear. We both just start. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the episode. Uh, yeah. What about you? What have you been thinking about? Sorry, that was kind of a heavy. Yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. Um, so on topic, um, you know, for you, it's going to be beating a dead horse. Uh, but I listened to. Uh, Dan Carlin's Hardcore History, Oof, uh, which is a God. podcast that I think everybody and their mother should listen to. Uh, I'll give him free promo all day. Uh, <laughs> I'll, have to give, I'll have to give it a try. Especially this one. Uh, he has ironically named Blitz episodes, where they're generally just as long, if not longer, than his other episodes. Mm-hmm. But they might be unique in that they're a self-contained episode. It's not like part one of three oh, sure. or anything like that. And it might be about a topic rather than a, a person or an era or mm-hmm. a time and, you know, sure. or an event, right? It's more just contained. Yeah. And so this Blitz episode is called Destroyer of Worlds. Ayo. And it's about, specifically, it's about the um, Cuban Missile Crisis. Uh-huh. But because he's addicted to, no, Christopher, we're trying to be serious. I'll call you Christopher. That's not your name. It's not my name. <laughs> but it's always a fun, like, <laughs> make it serious to Christopher. Do it. And we missed out on a fart mic for that because we're trying to be I serious. I better that you just 
sounds like somebody dragging something across the harbor like a floor. chair bro. Yeah. what was that i'm scared. scared did you guys hear that i don't know but what that wasn't was me. it wasn't me i'm scared but um no so yeah it's about the cuban missile crisis yeah um, and Dan Cron kind of justifies it that he's a, he's addicted to context. So he thought he'd make an episode shorter by limiting it to a, a two week event, right? Mm-hmm. How mm-hmm. can you possibly get more restricted than that for him? And he's like, well, <laughs> you got to give it context. And so he just starts talking about Robert Oppenheimer and the, you know, the Trinity test. And then he kind of fills in the gap between 1945 and what, 1960, I think two. Yeah. When the Cuban Missile Crisis happened, and talking about everything in between there, and he does a very good job, I think, of being like—I don't want to say even-handed, but he's not like, yeah, America great, but he's also not like the worst decision we ever made was dropping the bomb. Mm-hmm. Um, he's kind of even-handed in so far as going like, it's—it's it's much easier for us to look back and judge than to be in the moment, and you know, sure. we can see way more options than they have. Because we don't know all the things acting on them in the moment. Right. We can look at it as retrospect. Yeah. And like he talked about, it's a horrible like symptom of the system that we live in. But there's political things. If people find out that Truman had the bomb that could end the war and didn't use it, he's not getting reelected. He Mm -hmm. might get charged with, you know, crimes for all the men that died invading Japan, you know. And so it's a case of like, well, you've got it. How do you? not use it right right and as morally awful as that sounds it's just a a fact of the situation right and so i thought you know it's interesting that he kind of i don't want to say justify he doesn't excuse the use of the bomb but like he said he points out how easy it is for us to (laughs) look back and judge Mm -hmm. but it's it's like i said it's about six hours oh my god yeah it's a six hour episode and uh it's heavy at times um where he gives like firsthand accounts of hiroshima survivors um and to point out, like, when you're talking about a bomb going off and killing 100,000 people, that's too big of a number to, like, really empathize with. Yeah, it you just know, seems it's, like it's, it's abstract. It's, yeah. So if I can tell you the experience that one person had and then go, a whole city is doing that, you know, because he kind of talks, he brings it up when he's talking about the American uh, war plan for war with Russia was to bomb, like, 16 Russian cities in an afternoon. Uh, and with multiple bombs on some of the targets, you know, it's mm-hmm. like Moscow might get three atom bombs, you know, and you're looking at millions of deaths. And he's like, you know, this is one person's experience. Now multiply that by, you know, 20 million. Right. And it's a good way to like, Jesus. Yeah. yeah. This is what we're really talking about. But so, I mean, I'd recommend it. Um, yeah. Destroyer <laughs> of Worlds. Like I said, it's kind of heavy. Six hours. Yeah. I mean, you don't listen to it in one sitting, you know. Um, and then he's got another great one called Painfotainment that is all about, like, uh, <laughs> torture. Hey, it's all about, like, public executions Bingo. and things like that. We need to bring that back. And us and us using, uh, well, and he does broach that subject of, like, if we televised, like, did a pay-per-view, right, in Vegas. They're going to execute this famous serial killer. The first one might be, uh, you know, oh, man, how disgusting is that? But, like, by, by two, by the second or the third one, the fourth one, maybe? You know, when does it just become... Oh, that's a thing Ooh, we do now. Yeah. yeah, how quickly does it turn into a thing we do, right? I also uh, think that's going to impl- uh I'm going to say amplify, but I think that's the wrong. Exemplify? Word. Exemplify. No. Amplify? No. Well, just say what you're trying to say and then It was well, now I'm getting tossed up of like is that even the I well, just say it and then we'll um that's going to amplify like other murderers 
and scare them a little more, I would hope. Oh, like maybe, see, I don't know what Amplify is supposed to mean, but I see what you're saying of like, it's going to, uh, you know, it's going to impact them. Yeah, yeah, it might deter them. It might persuade them, or, you know, dissuade them of like, yeah. oh, well, I don't know that I want to do that. Yeah, you know? because, but then you're also going to have copycats. Yeah, people who are going to want that. Want that know, attention. Because, yep. The largest crowd I'll ever have is on the day I die, you know. That's like, oh, well, yeah. Um, and, you know, so just to spoil painfotainment, he does a really good job of like talking about here's how it was done in the Roman times and then in the, you know, the, the 1600s and all that, you know. And then he talks about like, <clears throat> yeah, I don't want to say like trigger warning, but like trigger warning, a lynching in like the 1920s, you know, and like that's, you know, you can, that's human. That's us now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, that, that's, that's great grandparents. Mm-hmm. Right. That went and did it in public and took pictures. And said things like, you missed a good barbecue. You know? And it's like, that's... So, you know, it's it's easy to say, oh, man, that's, you know, that's very unique. Or not unique, but like, that's we're not that anymore. But maybe we're the exception, you know? Maybe we're the the oddity of not doing it. The death penalty is still a thing. Right. And you can still go and sit in, you know? So, yeah, it's it's a weird... I I appreciate when he gets, like, introspective like that, where you're like, oh, man, what is it? Oh, that's uh, something you don't really want to think about. But, yeah, so Dan Carlin is who I've been thinking about. Hmm. Go check him out. But that's all I got. Yeah. All righty. Well, then, uh, I want to thank you guys so much for your attention and support. If you like this episode, be sure to give it a great review. Tell your friends about us. Share us on social media. Um, Obviously, word of mouth is great uh, great support right now. Hmm. Tell everybody about it. Spread us like the plague. Extra, extra. We, we all about it. We all about it. Uh, hey, mister. Did you hear the news? That was a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, uh, yeah, make sure that you're subscribing on your audio, yeah. audio streaming service of choice. That way you get notified when we post episodes. Like today's episode will be a day later than uh, normal. So mm-hmm. otherwise you wouldn't, uh, wouldn't have known you that. Would, you yeah. would have been like, oh, man, where's that, where's that going? And then, uh, you know, if people want to get in touch with us, give us their thoughts. Tell us what, what you know, do they like Barbie better, Oppenheimer better, same, you know, too different to decide. Uh, how, would they, uh, how would they get in touch with us, Chris? You can always let us know. You can reach out or te- uh, take a look at uh, our socials at Simply Whelmed Podcast. That's our Instagram and our Facebook. Our Twitter handle is Whelmed underscore Simply. Uh, you can always check out our YouTube, too, which is mm-hmm. the Simply Whelmed Podcast. Slowly but surely getting up to date. Yeah, surely. Surely. Don't there. call me Surely. <laughs> Um, but then as well as you can always send us an email with your thoughts, anything like that at simply mailbag at gmail.com. That's right. Uh, next week, I, th- we don't want to promise anything, but I think our expectation for ourselves is to secret do invasion. secret invasion because the premiere sh- or the finale should be out by the time this and neither of us out. have started it. No. So we're going to binge Which, it. Which again, we talked about, we're just very superheroed out. Yeah. And so maybe I'm, we'll have a more critical review of it because yeah, potentially. We- yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So look forward to that. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be the episode for us. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.